You are now checked in to Stand Up New York Labs. Oh, yeah. Very serious. The Mandatory Samson Podcast, coming to you live from Stand Up New York Labs in New York City. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris Flannery. I'm joined by a pretty good guy, Joey Noe. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. Also being produced by the one and only Shelby. Shelby, uh, say hi to the people. What up, what up? <laughs> there you go. Thank Dino. you, Shelby. Excellent drop in, Shelby. Uh, Evan, I'm told, will be arriving in a little bit. We'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to the program. Full... GOP debate coverage at the end of this program. Nice. Are you excited about that? Very excited. Uh, a few a, a few stories at the beginning, including two quick hits about Obama and Guantanamo Bay that I found interesting because okay. it's something that we've been talking about a little bit recently, and an interesting little follow up to last week's Israel Palestine conflict that we were talking about. Oh yes, it's just telling you. You read it, right? I sent you the notes. Yes. So you checked it out. I okay. did read it. It's interesting. Then we're going to examine two videos. The first is Zachary Hammond getting shot by a cop during a uh, $50 pot bust. We talked about this a oh. while ago, I think on, I think it's MSP 43. It was the one with the Amanika. I think that's where we yes. brought it up at first. Um, we might have done a follow-up on that. I'm not sure. But more information about that. And the video of the shooting came out, and it's terrible. I it's a terrible it video. You did that, you didn't see. Correct. I have not seen that. Either. All right. Uh, the second is a cop attacking a teenager in uh, Spring Valley High School in South Carolina, which is a video that's obviously been making the rounds there. Uh, Super viral, yes. Yes. Uh, so we're going to get into that. But first, ready for this? Mm-hmm. We're going to give some shout-outs and read some emails, one of which applies to the South Carolina incident later in the show that we're going to get to. I'm going to read the email now, okay. and then we'll, we'll bring it back up later again. Before we get to the emails, I want to say this. Nika Taylor on YouTube, mm-hmm. you can go to youtube.com slash samson. Watch the show stream live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Or you can check out full episode video, which I also put up. She wants me to do my Joey impression. What? And she wants you to read from Fifty Shades of Grey. We can do that. Yeah, we could probably make that happen, I feel. I mean, you know, look, if I'm feeling a little froggy, maybe I'll leap. I'll read some Fifty Shades of Grey. I'll I'll bust it out once in a while. I haven't actually been doing it, right? No, you have not. That's true. Uh, Delgado Digital on YouTube he did a uh, great, he's commenting on like a lot of the YouTube videos, which is really cool. Oh, thank you. But he did a really nice like rundown of the last episode with like timed highlights. So like he'll make a comment with like a little, you can click on it and you can go to that part of the episode. Very cool. Oh, I really, nice. I really like that rundown. I really appreciate the support. Very cool. Uh, I want to shout out Lauren on Snapchat. She snapped me and said, uh, is it a problem that I get all my news from the Mandatory Samson podcast? Absolutely not. That's exactly what I told her. I was like, no, I think that's probably a really good idea, and I'm totally okay with it. Uh, all right. So then we got these two emails. that I. Oh, by the way, yes. fuck up of the week? Do not have one. You don't have one yet. We talked about it. We got a lot of the debate coverage we're going to get into. Yes. You do have an interesting story, though, something that people who have listened to the show the entire time will, will know about. Yep. What do you got, Joey? It's a quick update on Gamergate. Yeah, fantastic. Every time. Gamergate, which I still don't understand, but I still really love. Uh, You're going to get into that in a little bit. Now, I wanted to read these emails really quick before we get into any of that stuff. We got an email from my friend Kyle. Obviously, I'm not going to say the last names because I don't know, whatever. But Mm -hmm. Kyle says, hey, Chris and Joey, just wanted to let you guys know you're killing it. 
Kyle, nice. great way to start an email. Gonna yes, be honest, thank with you. I really enjoy that. I'm a senior in high school, and your podcast has taught me more about current events than any other class I've taken in high school. Wow. Which not good that high school isn't teaching it. good for us yes but i'd rather that the high school be teaching you more than i am but i appreciate i take that as a, a compliment i really appreciate that it says not sure if you've thought about it before but you guys are helping to influence the future voters of this country oh my god well i'll tell you what i have thought about it no i mean i emailed him <laughs> and i was like no it's not really something that i'm thinking about but i do that is part of the rationale behind doing the show obviously it's fun yes. i enjoy getting into this stuff but I think it's important to put out different ideologies or whatever, my opinion on yes. the, the news and kind of, you know, see where it goes. So I really think it's cool that, that Kyle's appreciating what we're, we're putting down here. Uh, he also says, listen, to this. this is directed at you. Did you read this email? I did. Joey. Yes. I think you contribute to the podcast way more than 10% and should rap more. Well, thank you. And let me say thank you. Yeah. People really enjoyed your rap. Somebody commented that they think it was brilliant that you rhymed shock with shock on the last episode, which I also think is great. Uh, he says, keep killing it, guys. I'll try to send some spare cash your way if you have the funds. No, don't do that. You're in high school. Save your money. Yes. Nobody has to spend any money on the show. If you want to donate, you can. You can go on Stand Up New York Labs, StandUpNYLabs.com, entertainment section, find the podcast, and you can donate on there. Not necessary, but we appreciate it. If you do donate... I'll send you a mandatory Samson sticker, a bunch nice. of stickers. So that's a little incentive if you want to. But please don't worry about it. Kyle, thank you very much for the support. Really appreciate it. Stuff like that really warms my heart, Joey. Yeah, <laughs> it it warm, definitely warms mine. Uh, we got another email from Alejandro. And now this is the one that's going to relate to the story that we have a little bit later. Okay. I'm going to read it. We can, you know, bat it around a little bit mm-hmm. and then we'll get into the show. Chris and Joey, what's up, you guys? Digging the show per usual. Well, terrific. Thank you. Just wanted to bring some points home real quick against your stance, Chris, on the Oregon shooting. Pardon the late response. I hope you're still willing to discuss it on the upcoming show. He actually sent it last week. Oh, okay. He tried to get it in right before we normally recorded four, which he did. He got it to me at 3.15, but we recorded a two last week, so I missed it. Oh, okay. Whatever. So it doesn't matter. I figured I'd bring it up. He says, to get right to it, I cannot at all agree with your idea of more casualties if we place some sort of armed guard there for protection and somehow that would make it worse. Now, like we talked about with all the school shootings and stuff, part of the idea being put out there is that if we had more armed guards in school, perhaps even a cop in every classroom, this would lessen the amount of... Pe- yeah. Okay, let me finish with the email and then we'll, we can answer some of it. Sounds to me like you're pretty much saying, quote, let's just let this guy go, uh, go all out and kill as many of us as he likes and we'll just sit and wait until he's done. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what... I'm, well, what? Good. That's not what we're saying. Well, I mean... You can take, fine, you can take it that way. I think that probably, sure, in some circumstances, you're going to get a cop there that is 100% alert, very accurate, and by very accurate, we're talking 50%. That's a legitimate, that's a very Mm -hmm. high number, 50% shoot, you know, accuracy. You're going to get a guy that's really trained and really appropriate for the situation, and he's going to happen to be in the classroom that a gunman comes in, and he's going to be able to potentially stop this guy before anything bad happens. The problem is if you're talking about putting a cop in every classroom or arming all schools in America or whatever it is, you're not going to be dealing with the cream of the crop in all cases. You're not going to be dealing with guys that are always alert or in shape or doing what, you know, that becomes the problem. I'm not saying that it can't work one, you know, like it would work in some instances. Absolutely. But to me, the broad amount of, you know, the, the possibility of it going poorly is probably more likely than yes. not in, in a lot of cases. Also, the other thing, too, I, I just thought about, the expense that would be required for this would be astronomical. 
totally that doesn't even have to you're right but that doesn't even have to enter yeah. into it we're just talking completely practically but right of course i mean to be able to put a cop in every classroom is going to be absolutely insane if you can't guess what story this is going to relate to later uh just hang on sure an extra gun there might increase chances of innocent bystanders being shot but at least give the people a chance at some protection guaranteed if you were in such a situation wouldn't you want some cop there with a gun I'm sure any police policeman or woman would be happy to put a few bullets in the crazed asshole trying to shoot innocent civilians. One more thing. If you're showing police, uh, one more thing. If you're showing police are inaccurate shooters, what's the point of calling them at all? Give the cops a break, man. That's not all. They're not all power tripping dickheads. Of course, they're not all yeah. power tripping dickheads. And the reason why you call the police is because, I mean, I get his point there, right? It's like, yes, if you think that the cops are totally, uh, they can't, shoot straight and all this stuff why, why have them yeah but that's uh, but obviously you know that we're not playing a zero-sum game here we're talking about the cop being at a place already waiting for trouble to come as opposed to a fucking guy just broke into my house i need a cop to come and he's definitely you know what i mean it's yes. like a one-on it's a it's a, f- a few people involved at a school you're talking chaos when something like this goes down that's the element i think that gets lost in the shuffle where it's like no, all the kids are just going to sit calmly, and if there's a cop there, then he's just going to shoot the bad guy. Like, no, there should be protocols in place that could, def- you know, and uh, there are in a lot of schools, I think, where you get onto the desks or you get up against the wall, well, lock the, the doors and all yeah, this stuff. Closets. So, you know, there is stuff in place. It's not like you're just going to sit there and be sitting ducks, but in some instances, you, what are you realistically going to do? I think there was cops um, at some of the places where, where shootings go down, and people still do get killed. To think that you're going to be able to fit them into every classroom and, and stop everything is is bizarre. But yeah, they're not all power tripping dickheads. No, not at all. I, I get that. And also, you have the crossfire possibility too, which is the worst thing you could do with everyone freaked out running around. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. It's just going to be like chaos. Uh, little Joe Herrera hates the word bedlam, but it would be bedlam. <laughs> uh, so he wraps up his email. He says another point: the chill factor. I think if college students saw an armed police officer patrolling their campus, it shouldn't scare them. It would probably put them at ease that there is someone there to protect them. The fact that there has been, uh, there have been so many school mass shootings lately is the real chill factor here. I don't know about that. I mean, to me, we saw during like Occupy Wall Street and like different protests like that where the cop on campus just comes in and like pepper sprays kids because they're yeah. sitting in the- You know, I, I, again, and we're going to see it later with this, this high school situation. It all, everything always starts out really well intentioned that the cop is there just to protect, mm-hmm. not discipline or do anything like that. But we see that that isn't, that isn't the case. It's in a perfect world. Sure. The cops are all benevolent and they're there and they're paying attention and they're, they're, and good nothing to go. ever happens. Right. But that to me seems a little far fetched. And I think that's what you have to be leery of. I'm not discounting the fact that in some cases, sure, it might, it might help. It might save some lives. It might save all the lives there. But I just don't see that happening repeatedly, especially with the amount of shootings that we have. You know, like that's also what's getting lost in the shuffle. There's, you know, whatever. There's one a week in, in this country, mass shootings at a school. That's, you know, that's that's the bigger problem. Like that's not happening because there's no cops at schools. That's happening because there's a gun problem and there's mm-hmm. potentially, you know, a, a problem with mental illness in the country. That That's really the issue. Anyway. I do. Appre- I mean, do you got anything to say about that? And you too. And the funny thing about it is, you could have cops in as many classrooms, and you're still going to have that one classroom that's not going to have it. Of course, right. So, right. So, realistically, you'd have to. I mean, not really realistically, but yeah, you'd have to put a cop in every classroom to really For every make this. grade and yeah. everything would be. But then you're talking about having a whole police department at a high school. It's like, and then what happens when the kid 
you know, the, the sophomore is like buying weed. Oh, now is the cop going to get involved? Is he only there to protect him? Like that becomes the issue. This becomes and, the issue with God. Yeah. Be- because the cops might want to step in and then you have the bullying thing too. Uh, sure. Great point. Right. Absolutely. Right. That's so, the thing. Because now how does someone who is an art of, you know, a authoritative, <laughs> authority figure yes thank you uh-huh. there and you have the kids bullying each other then do, is it their place to tell the kids don't be doing that because that would have to come up totally and that's that's again right you're absolutely right and these are all things that would be factored in if if, I, if the cops could all be there i mean and really be like laser focused like they're at like westminster abbey you know like they're they're not they don't talk to anybody they just look straight ahead and the only thing they're there for is to stop potential mass shootings? Mm-hmm. Fine, but you know that's not going to be that's the situation. Be, it's yeah. just not going to be. He says anyway. Excuse any grammatical errors here. I'm on the clock at work. Just wanted to get this out before the next show. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You did get it in before the show. We switched the time on you, so that's not yes. your fault. I appreciate your email. It says P.S. Get on the Bill Maher show. You got my vote. Well, thank you, Alejandro. Aww. I really appreciate that. You know that's the cool thing about people that email in and feel free to email in mandatorysampson@gmail.com. I respond to all of them. Sometimes read them on the show. People, some a lot of the time, I get an email where it's like, I don't agree with you, but we like what you're doing with the show. You guys are not presenting it in an unfair way. That's awesome. Like yes. that's really cool. I mean, obviously, Kyle loves it, and I love you. And Kyle. getting thank feedback you, is amazing. So thank you guys. Yeah, it feels really good. Get a lot of tweets and everything. Emily tweeted me today. It's just like it's great. This is the feedback is is awesome. I, I love you guys. I really appreciate it. Alrighty. Oh, by the way, Evan. Evan showed up here. Evan, step step to the mic a second. Evan just dun, rolled dun. in. What up? Yeah, there you go. What's up, Evan? How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? I I'm like good. The Conway jersey. Thank you. I, I appreciate you noticing. Banks, because Conway was a spoiled asshole. Well, he was the captain oh. of the team, and he was Bombay's favorite. Get, get away from the microphone. All right. If you guys want to <laughs> see what he's talking about, check out the uh, the video on YouTube later tonight. Uh, Joe, you ready to get into? You know what? Why don't you do the goddamn Gamergate update? You want to really do excited. this? Yeah, I'm so excited okay. about it. Get, tell, explain to the Samsonites and the nobodies and everybody what like. Why are we even talking about Gamergate still? For people that, since their first episode, why are we talking about Gamergate? Uh, all right, so Gamergate went away. Like, for the most part, they weren't talking about it. But what was it? It was like a little, what was it? Like, explain. It was like a protest movement or whatever. Uh, uh, Briefly. Okay, so v- virtually what happened was you have a bunch of people who were gamers who were attacking different aspects of the gamer culture, such as journalism, such as individual feminists, and right. different things. It was a whole melting pot. We went over it in uh, Depression Quest, <laughs> <Yeah>. episode two. <laughs> wow, I love that you pulled the title out. Yeah, MSP2, Depression Quest, which is a terrible game, created by one of the women that was getting attacked by like these like yes. nutty gamers. Zoe yeah. Quinn. Zoe Quinn, right. Wow. This you remember. Like yes, shit we this, talked about yes. 25 minutes ago. You're like, no, nope, <laughs> nope. not there. I don't know. So, Game and Game, for the most part, settled down. Adam Baldwin was part of it. Right. Now, what ended up happening is there were, there is, uh, every year, there's a festival, South by Southwest, which does music, film, inter- uh, comedy, there's a lot of interactive there, festival yeah. and video games. Right. So, this is for next year, okay? It's not even this year, and it got blown out of proportion. All right. So, for next year, there was supposed to be two panels. <laughs> really? It's for next year? Are you sure? Yes. It's for, it was for next year. Un- unreal. Okay. Good. <laughs> okay. So, the first one was a panel. Lost my thing. Was a panel called Save Point, a discussion on gaming community. Right. And the second one was Level Up Overcoming Harassment in Video Games. <laughs> right. Which is all, again, like that's what's crazy about this whole thing. It's all reasonable shit where it's like, 
Listen, if if women want to play video games, don't call them cunts all the time, and like don't yell at women that want to be in the gaming industry, because that is the the big thing with this thing, as we understand it. Again, if you've been listening to the show right from the beginning, you know that we've covered this a lot, and we still don't really understand what happened. Nope, not at all. But the essentially right, it's like women in gaming get treated like shit and there's somewhat of a bias against them in on the production side and mm-hmm. blah 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 and that's sort of where this spawned from but then you have people that take it way so too far and, and, well yeah. and a lot of people have their own individual agendas right well it seems like the, it seems like the gamer like boys or whatever you want to call yes. them they they don't like anybody coming into their club whatsoever they just like love it too much and they don't want any girl no girls allowed in the clubhouse so, so apparently uh what is believed happened was that uh-huh. the, the uh, gamers of Gamergate yeah. found out that these two panels are happening. So a few of them decided to send numerous threats of on-site violence related to this programming. Right. So the head guy decided to call it off from even happening. Wow. The head guy at South by Southwest, you mean? He's yes. like, we're not even going to fuck around with this. See, don't be cowed by these little babies. They're not... They do threaten a lot, and I think it's legitimate for you know women that have spoken out to be a, you know, you, you can't take it at face value and be like, oh, they're not actually going to show up at my house and kill my dog or cat mm-hmm. or whatever it is. But like, most of them are not going to. You're probably able to like track who these little fuckers are. Don't not do it because they're threatening you. It's sort of the same thing with like the Draw Muhammad con- c- contest. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what you're doing is going to antagonize a certain percentage of people, but fuck them. You know what I mean? It's like, yes. you, that's the whole point of it. Don't. Now, that's interesting that you even brought that up because an individual, Randy Harper, happens to be an individual, a gamer and author who goes out raising awareness about online booze. Abuse, engineering, and video game and development. <laughs> game, whatever he said, online and booze. Yes. I like to get, just get my load on. Go so, check out the internet. So now here's the interesting thing. She commented on Twitter that uh, she was part of the panel, that we weren't involved in a Gamergate-related panel. Our panel was about design discussions and reporting systems and community management. Okay. So it's odd because she's saying that the panel had nothing to do with it, but she's created something about Gamergate. Right. So, well, is she using Gamergate as the example? And when she says community, she doesn't mean like, you know, a town that you live in. She means like a corporate community or whatever, like a group. I think the internet community? Yeah, yeah. I, but I'm that's so what, confused by what's I, actually happening. I don't know, but it seems like she probably used Gamergate as like the example of a way to like, maybe this is how you'd fix this situation or whatever. And then these little weirdos get upset about so it. So what she's done is she created a cool a tool All right. called Gamergate Autoblocker. All right. Okay. I'm listening. It turns out that it doesn't follow people's tweets, but she said it that if certain individuals are following two or more people who she deemed ringleaders of Gamergate, sure. it would automatically block them out. Interesting. So you just cut them off at the pass. Yes. That's dangerous to an extent. I mean, whatever. It's not really that dangerous. It's less dangerous than like being threatened to, you know, somebody's going to kill and rape you or, or in whatever order they want to do that. Uh, yeah, but that's interesting, though, that it would, like, track them and block them because um, that could be used the other way around. Mm-hmm. You know, that could be used in weird ways. But whatever. Look, yeah, I mean, there's no reason to just accept that type of harassment. Like, it's not a reasonable conversation that you're having. I think it's important to talk to people that you don't agree with, but 
Right. Like when it comes to like the threat of violence, go mm-hmm. fuck off. Like we don't have to talk. The head guy, the head director was uh, Hugh F. Forrest, apparently. Okay. And here's a quote. If people cannot agree, disagree, and embrace new ways of thinking in a safe and secure place that is free of online and offline harassment, then this marketplace of ideas inevitably is compromised. Yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I mean, if, if people are just going to. And that again, like I, I bring it back to the the religious thing, or like the the Islamic extremism, or any kind of extremism, that becomes the problem. Like when you get so tied up in it, and then you're just going to use vi- of violence, the threat of violence, or actual violence as a as a threat against ideas. When mm-hmm. you when you start putting physical physicality against mentality, like that becomes that's a real issue. that's a real issue, and that's obviously what we're seeing here. Now, this went viral because BuzzFeed and Vox Media stepped in. Sure. But, because they normally have panels and they are very interactive with the the festival. So they claim that if they don't do something to rectify the situation, then they will withdraw from the festival. Oh, okay. I mean, good for them that they're taking a little stand on it. Now, again, whether this thing is like the most important, I think it's a microcosm of what people are seeing broadly in culture and like mm-hmm. on the internet where women are kind of treated shitty by a certain percentage of like people on men on the internet. Like, so they're, they're, they're using this as like the hill to go down on, which is fine. Is Gamergate the biggest deal? No, I don't think so. However, to the people that are involved in it, of course it is. And the people that are being threatened, it's a, it's a problem. So yeah, good. I mean, they should, they're not going to pull out by the way, but good. They, they should, they said have the fucking panel discussion. Why, why would you? Of course. Uh, you did a nice job with that. Thank you. You really covered the the shit out of it. I would say nice. You you feel good about it? I feel great. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You brought a lot of energy today. I'm a little sleepy. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't get a ton of sleep, but you're well. We're going to balance it. it out. We're going to balance it out. I know you're doing a hell of a job. Obama vetoes the NDAA. This is the first story we got, and I okay. think it's a good one. Now, again, we're going to close this this bad boy down with an in depth Republican debate coverage. So I have a couple of stories at the beginning, but then we're going to get to those clips. I, I have it, like always, a nice rundown. For only the fifth time in his presidency, President Obama vetoed the National Defense Authorization Act, which is a military budget spending mm-hmm. bill situation. Primarily, this is what's interesting, why I wanted to bring it, vetoed it primarily over the fact that it contained language that would make it virtually impossible to close Gitmo. Oh, they're sneaky. Yeah, they are sneaky, but I like... Well, they always do this, right? The part of the language was that you wouldn't be able to put any of the prisoners, remaining prisoners, in United States prisons. Which, by the way, it's like they don't. Most of them don't need to be in prison, probably. Or you can't transfer them to any, um, you know, like other country where they might be from. So, so what do you do with them? Exactly. That's why they're doing it. So it's like, well, guess you just got to leave them in Guantanamo. <laughs> like really cute. But Obama sent it back. Now again, there's only the fifth time that he's vetoed anything like this, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, he threatened to veto this in, in 2011, 2012, and 2014. He backed down. But I actually have a clip of him now talking about why he felt it was necessary to veto this time. And I think it's important. Now, also, bear with us. It might get a little loud or whatever. i got to adjust the volume. Okay. I'm dealing with a new computer. As everybody knows, I had an issue last week, so I got a new one. It sounds a little different. So just bear, bear with me, sweet Samsonites. I, I love you all, and I don't mean to hurt your ears. This is Obama talking about why he vetoed the, uh, the NDAA. Let me just skip ahead to... Uh, where he's actually talking about it. God, he's a, he's a decent looking cat in Obama. Yes, he is. Uh, what a weird, why did I even say that? Like, what a weird. And the third thing is that. Here we go. You comfortable with that? This legislation yeah, specifically good. impedes our ability to close Guantanamo in a way that I have repeatedly argued 
uh, is counterproductive to uh, our efforts to defeat uh, terrorism uh, around the world. Uh, Guantanamo is one of the premier mechanisms uh, for jihadists to recruit. It's time for us to close it. It is outdated, it's expensive, it's been there for years, and we can do uh, better in terms of keeping our people safe while making sure that we are consistent with our values. Yeah, which Guantanamo Bay, I mean, we've talked about it pretty pretty much at length at this point, is not consistent with what you would consider American values. No, but yeah. the exact opposite. Yes. So, uh, I'm going to be vetoing uh, this authorization bill. I'm going to be sending it back to Congress, and my message to them is very simple. Uh, let's do this right. We're in the midst of budget discussions. Let's have a budget that properly funds uh, our national security as well as economic security. Uh, let's make sure that we're able in a constructive way to reform our military spending uh, to make it uh, sustainable over the long term. And uh, let's make sure that uh, in a responsible way uh, we can uh, draw down the populations in Guantanamo, make sure that the American people are safe, and make sure that we're not providing the kinds of recruitment tools to terrorists that are so dangerous. So that's that's also what I liked at the end there. He ties it up uh, really nicely by saying it's a recruiting tool, and that's exactly correct. That that is not uh, something that it's made up. That is propaganda. Well, it's not even propaganda because they're not making it up. But this is stuff that you hear when they're trying to recruit terrorists. They say they use Guantanamo as one of the main. Re- like, look what they're doing to yeah. our brothers and whatever. You know, that's uh, that's legitimate. So I think that's nice that he did it. What happens from here, who knows, but this is not a symbolic thing that he's doing. This is, uh, I believe, with the intention of actually trying to, to wrap up Guantanamo Bay. And you know, I have a question for you. How many times do you think he said, let's do this right? Because I have a feeling that oh, God, he yeah. says it way too much. Yeah. And also, it should be something that shouldn't need to be said. Yeah. I mean, he, pro- he just probably putters around at night just in his slippers, just like, let's do this right. Like he, uh, when dealing with when Congress, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, he, it's probably a constant struggle for him. Like, can we just do this right? People like my Obama, Joey. I, you're doing it well. Let's do it right, John Banner. Banner's gone. It's Eric Cantor now. No, it's uh, no, it's not Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan. All right. <laughs> We're gonna go back to Chicago. All right, all right. I'm not gonna do it every week, but it's good. Dude, close Gitmo. Okay, that's Obama yelling. Yes. Close Guantanamo Bay. Me and Michelle. That's when he's like a little more relaxed. Gonna go to Uno Pizza, Chicago. Okay. Israel's use of the word terrorist. You ready for this? This is yes, uh, I am. It's very interesting. This comes from the the, uh, the Intercept, which I love. That's like pr- probably my. F- it's such a weird thing to say. My favorite. It's like my favorite thing to read. But it's like they have really solid foreign policy. You know, foreign. Res- a lot of stuff that I really. It's enjoy. a favorite website. Yeah, it's it's a great place to go. I like the way that it's written. I like the mm-hmm. people that are doing the work there. And they attack stuff from a. They attack it hard. They go. They go. They go for it. They go for it. But then also, what they're putting out there is like has a different kind of uh, vibe. Yeah, I was gonna say a different kind of like slant as the way that like the mainstream okay. quote mainstream media would cover. You know these types of issues. So you are going to get into that, right? The whole bias about the mainstream. Yeah, I was. Media. I, yes, I love that you brought that up. I was just gonna say. What a what a weirdo situation that Republican debate was where they just they kept going. I mean, that's a classic, you know, conservative trope where it's like, oh, the entire media is biased against us. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I have a lot of that, you know, in the run. Every anchor is against us. Yeah, it just doesn't <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. And I have that. We'll get into it. Okay. But right. Of course. 
there is a legitimacy to the fact that the main quote mainstream whatever you know the network news different stuff like that yeah there's a bit of a bias but i think it's biased towards it might be a little bit uh, more liberal however i think the real bias is towards power which is the big problem influence and power because they run on ad dollars which comes from big corporations Mm -hmm. and they also like glenn greenwald has pointed out a number of times their sources are people within the administration so if they're going to attack the administration and go after it they're not going to get the quote they need or they're not going to get the access they need so that's where the bias is if if anything okay the jerusalem post reported last week that two israeli defense force soldiers killed a man quote believed to be an arab terrorist he was acting erratically and tried to grab their guns. Turns out he was an Israeli Jew. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. I have this paragraph from the Jerusalem Post. Let's read it. Only after the man was neutralized was it made clear that he was a Jew from Jerusalem, police concluded. Zaka Rescue, which is Z-A-K-A, which I guess is whatever, their like, emergency service. Zaka Rescue and Recovery Chairman Yehuda Mishi Zahav, I probably didn't say that right, who was at the scene, said he also initially thought the subject suspect was an Arab terrorist. Quote, when I arrived with the Zaka team at the site of the uh, supposed terrorist attack, it seemed to be a, quote, standard current terrorist attack, a stabbing attempt, and the terrorist was apprehended. I wanted to cover the body in a black bag, which is reserved for terrorists only. Mm -hmm. After I was asked to take care of the body, I saw that he was a Jew and that it was a mistake to speak of a terrorist. I immediately notified the police and we switched to a white Zaka body bag. So, so can I ask the question? By all means. So probably going to get heat for this, <laughs> but does that mean that someone who's Jewish can't be a terrorist by definition? Well, this is, yeah. I mean, this is what, what he's saying is right. Mm-hmm. If this guy was Arab, yes. you know, Palestinian and was doing it, terrorist. terrorist, the fact that he's a Jew from Jerusalem. No, he's not doesn't mean that jews can't be terrorists but in the in jerusalem it seems like that's going to be the case and it also speaks to because if you read the article mm-hmm. it gets into that the word terrorist is just thrown around it's just kind of a proper it's a meaningless term because 10 minutes earlier the guy's a terrorist 10 minutes later no he's just a fallen israeli jew you know what i mean like it, it's a very fluid use of the word terrorist and what does it really mean like when we talk about different shock- body bag is what it means well absolutely right it's simply a label depending on context shocker armor people would call him a terrorist the guy's not a terrorist he's in guantanamo bay he's not a terrorist but he's a terrorist right it's like well mm. okay so what's the deal uh and it also in the article i think it quoted rudy giuliani saying um you know when he was talking about torture is waterboarding yes. torture and he says it depends uh who's doing the waterboarding mm-hmm Right. That's exactly yes. the case here. Context. Is he a terrorist? Well, it depends where he's from. <laughs> now, uh, that's legitimate. I mean, that's a legitimate bias. And that speaks, I think, to the culture kind of in Jerusalem. I mean, it makes sense. We do the same shit. You know, we're, we're, we don't we don't want to call. Well, whatever. Good. So I would like to know if he was an immediate threat and needed to be put down because he reached for the guns. Well, it's interesting. That's my question. Right. You're saying because they they read him as Arab, so they, you know, went yep, after him. But if he was uh, possibly identified as a Jew later, shouldn't he have been identified that at the moment that the action well, occurred? I guess. I mean, it, you know, you don't know. Really, the moment you didn't yeah, have Yeah, if time. the guy's running around with a knife or whatever. I mean, I understand that tensions would be high then if the people are getting stabbed in Israel. Like, I'm, I get that. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they shouldn't probably be on alert about that shit. Um you know, so yeah, what I mean, whatever. If you get, if the guy's got a knife and he's acting crazy and he tries to grab your gun, like, 
okay yeah that'd be justified in america like if somebody has a knife and is trying to grab, <laughs> grab your gun, gun okay fine then maybe you can probably shoot that guy I, I probably feel good about that not good about it but i think that's legitimate anyway just an interesting um you know a little bit of a distinction there and it's an interesting thing to think about when you see the word terrorist read up a little bit about it don't just take it at face value because it is used uh subjectively see to me the, the word then loses meaning if we're gonna throw it around that uh easily absolutely and that but that is that's part of the argument all along like in the united states where we're constantly talking about terrorists or we say it used to be al-qaeda we used to be like oh al-qaeda is the taliban whatever now it's isis but it's just an interchangeable term that means like crazy group of people that hate us you know what i mean and i'm doing air quotes it's like, yeah but we're just using different ways it doesn't really matter it's just there's a threat out there and that's the phrase we're using for it for now <laughs> the fact that <laughs> what Jeff? no it's just the it, it's shocking to me that you can say one group of people can automatically be a terrorist of course because if you're predisposed to that's the way that your mind's gonna work and the course. other group is not just because it's a group of people well it just blows my mind yeah I, no I it's, it's 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 very fascinating but it's also um what we were talking about recently where you know with the drone strike thing where people are not they don't even know their names. They just know them as a number. They're a target, yep. and that's it. Like it's dehumanizing. That's what it does, and that's why it makes it a lot easier to commit, you know, a different atrocities against people, or you know, not care about the collateral damage. Yeah, because they're not really a person. It's not it's just a number. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not whatever this guy's name is. I didn't release the name, but it's like, nope, that's a terrorist. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just very easy. It's just, once you get in your head that terrorist is bad, and you call everybody a terrorist, then everybody over there is bad. You don't have to really do any math. Yeah, that's that is very dangerous. That's the problem. All right, Zachary Hammond. Now, for people that don't know this story, we did bring it up on the Yamanika episode, but I feel like we kind of it might maybe got lost in the shuffle a little bit. I don't know, remember if we brought it up again. I feel like we did, but I'm not sure. White kid, uh, I think 19 years old. I'm not really sure. I think 19 years mm-hmm. old, young, driving a car with another person who they were going to sell weed in like a parking lot or something like a, a you know, a ba- it's at a bag of weed. I think yeah. I, I read a couple times, $50, whatever it is, even if it's what a half ounce of Mar- you know, it's not a big deal. So they're going to sell this weed. He's driving. Turns out that it was a fucking sting operation that they had set up to like get this, you know, this Pablo Escobar type. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Which is absurd. So he shows up there and they obviously they were like, oh, fuck, it's a cop. So the cop has his gun drawn already. I have the video. We're going to play the video. Has the gun drawn. And he's telling, obviously, Zachary Hammond to stop moving the car. The car is parked. However, when, when he sees the cop, I guess he freaked out. Fine. Not fine, but I understand him freaking out. He tries to back the car out. He does, and as he starts to drive away, the cop just pumps shots into him and kills him dead, which to me doesn't seem like the proper response to that. Perhaps shoot the tires. Yeah, There's, there's a number of things you could do instead of use protocol. putting your arm directly into the car, much like we saw with um, Samuel DeBose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a similar situation. So let's watch this video. And again, guys, you, this is all readily available stuff. However... We have it up on a TV here that we're watching, and if you watch on YouTube, you can uh, check it out along with us. So this is the Zachary Hammond shooting, Joey, and we'll check it out. It's 20 seconds, so maybe we'll just let it let it play. All right. Meanwhile, this cop, like, fucking flies in. You're, you're hearing yeah. that. Why? It's a, it's a fucking little – it's a bag of weed. It's like an eight. It's a sting operation. You, you got to be you, – you got to go sting. It, it's so crazy. Yeah, I know, because this kid's like – he must – it just doesn't – it blows my mind that this is even a thing that, that is occurring. 
All right. So now the car is parked. The car that Zachary Hammond is driving is parked. The cop car is directly behind it. And the cop you're about to see in a second, he's going to jump out. Okay. He, he's out already. With the gun drawn. Gun drawn. 19-year-old in the car selling weed. All right. He's not doing anything more than that. Seems unnecessary. All right. Now Zachary Hammond backs the car out a little bit and he's going to try to pull away. Okay. The cop gets right next to it. The cop is maybe three feet from the car at this point. The car hasn't moved again. It backed out, stopped. The cop's three feet away from it. Now Hammond turns the car, tries to accelerate a little bit. I mean, he's not going that fast. Pulls to the left. The cop is close enough that he's touching the, the door. All right? Now, at this point, Joey and Shelby or whoever, you guys can jump in on this. Does this cop seem like he's in imminent danger here? Does he seem no. like he's about to be hit by this car? Not at all. No, not no imminent danger for the cop. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, I just want to... Okay. So now the car keeps driving a little bit. The cop still calmly takes like three steps backwards. He's not. His feet are not even close to the tires. He, he's got the gun right in the window of the car, and you're about to see the tragedy that's about to unfold. And that's oh. it. Now he's killed the kid. So the cop... Like, let me say this. The South Carolina police officer, M- Lieutenant Mark Tiller won't face charges because he claimed he feared for his life and the prosecution agreed with him. Now, we just watch, watched... We just watched They video. watched the same video. Let's watch it in full motion real quick and then we, we can get into... I have some quotes and we can talk about it. But to me, it just... Th- this one's a disaster. The, he and they also, watched the same video. Of course, yeah. Because, oh, okay. Well, look, because he's protected. He can do whatever he wants because that kid's dangerous and that's a problem. With a bag of marijuana. We also talked about this. He, the cop lied about it. He said that you know he felt like he was going to get killed and that he shot him in, in ex- a certain way. He wasn't going to get killed. That's nonsense. All right, here we go. Let's just watch it real quick and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Jesus. Wow. There's I mean, no threat. There's no threat there. I mean, the cop is e- easily able to avoid the car. The kid was not trying to hit him with the car. Not Certainly not. He was just trying to get the fuck out of there. He panicked. Which, bad move. Obviously, don't, you know, just whatever. You're not going to go the to jail. The gun should have really even been drawn. Of that's... course. But that, uh, ding, but that's also part of it, right? Why the fuck is that gun drawn? That's going to freak you out more than the cop being like, look, we have, we got you. You know what I mean? Yeah, please, <laughs> please stay in the car. Yeah, you're going to get a fine because it's a little bit of weed. It's not a huge deal. So these are st- so fucked up, that video, which is great. Because it's not great that that happened, but it's great that the video came out because we've read accounts of it and yes. I've kind of been staying on top of it. And this video obviously is pretty clear. The terrible part is that this fucking cop is not in trouble at all. He's going to get off here. Greg Dietrich, uh, the Seneca City administrator, this is his quote about the Zachary Hammond thing. The past three months have been extremely difficult for the residents of Seneca, its city employees, and the 45 members of its police force. Why why does that town need 45 cops (laughs) or whatever? That's insane. While the effects of outside agitators to tear apart our community lingers we are thankful the investigation has come to an end and shows lieutenant tiller was acting in self-defense uh-huh. the night of july 26 was a tragic event for this community and i personally will always grieve for the hammond family sure but meanwhile you're going to sit there and tell them that that was that and was self-defense. B- bullshit it's just bullshit it's absolutely mental i mean i i don't understand how that goes down you guys should check out that video it's really uh it's not graphic other than you see somebody shoot a gun you don't see any, yeah, it's, you know you don't mm. see the kid but yeah i mean t- terrible right like yeah 19 years old a bag of pot in the car right what is the point there why, why why did that need to be stopped i mean i get if you're gonna arre- i mean whatever i don't think you should be arrested but if you're gonna do it that's not the way to handle it you no, certainly don't all. need a sting operation 
The next thing is the Spring Valley. We have this, and then just a quick one quick thing I want to say about uh, Ben Carson before we get into the debate stuff. So we're, we're right there. Spring Valley High School police brutality is what I headlined this thing. South Carolina Sheriff's Deputy Ben Fields has been fired by Richland County Sheriff's Department over his actions taken against a 16-year-old female student who just happens to be black. Does that matter? Maybe we're going to bring up some stuff at the end. Mm-hmm. She was caught looking at her phone by the teacher of the class. Who How then, do you feel about that? Should the kids have phones? Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? Look, I, I found what... Now, they're just studying to learn not to be playing with their cell phones. I hear you. When we were in high school, I didn't have a phone until junior year, I guess. I didn't have a phone in high school. Okay, see, so there's probably... Uh, Kyle that's listening is like, Pow! what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, no, but because I got my car junior year. So it was sort of like, all right, you know, you need a phone, you know, whatever. It was like that type of thing, but it wasn't a commonplace thing. So it wasn't that prevalent when we were in high school. However, um, yeah, I think kids can have their phone. We found, certainly found ways to fuck around. You know what I mean? Like if it wasn't looking at the phone, it was me and uh, Carl like passing like stupid ass drawings that we did and like passing back and forth and doing all the shit. Or or everybody had that. Carl's my friend. Yes. Or everybody had the TSI-88 or whatever it was. Oh, sure. The the, the stupid calculator. Right. Exactly. I mean, I do remember playing like Snake quite a bit on my phone. Although not really. I wasn't really a phone guy because it wasn't like having Twitter or anything. I mean, if I had Twitter, forget it. Yeah. I probably wouldn't be paying attention. However. The water would have been so different. I would draw and like do different shit. But that, but that, but yes, I think kids should have their phone. If they're not going to pay attention, they're going to find a way not to pay attention, mm-hmm. regardless of whether they have their phone or not. Now, if it becomes crazy where they're like on, like talking on the phone or like really obvious, I'd be like, come on, can't you fucking pay attention for a half hour? But there's different ways to go about it. Anyway, so, the t- so I guess there's a policy here mm-hmm. where they're not supposed to be on their phone, which makes sense, but of course they're going to be. The teacher then tried to take the phone away. The student refused and was then told to leave the class. She also refused, which is when Ben Fields was summoned. Okay, Mr. Fields. We have the uh, we have the video. You think we should just play the video real quick? Do you have the long video or the short video? I have the. It's a fifteen second video. Okay. Why? How long? There's a much longer video. Not much longer, but apparently there's one where he walks into the room. It's it's a little different, but it's okay. But whatever. We can we can basically see what happens. So we just gave you the little breakdown. Definitely check out this video. I'm sure you've seen it, but let's just watch it, Joey, and then we can kind of get into some quotes and different things that I have. Okay. So, I mean, immediately, it just doesn't seem necessary what he's doing. He's got, he's got her in a chokehold. I mean, he's got his arm yeah, around her neck, her. and he's got her other arm and from behind, and he's going to fuck this chick up because he's an asshole. Ah, he's yanking her around in the desk. Flips her. Now she's Ooh. on her back in the desk. Like, what an animal. This is a fucking... This reminds me of the guy at the, uh, the bikini, you know, the party. Yes. The bikini party. What a moron I am. The pool party. The pool party. The girl in the bikini that he fucking flipped like a like a maniac. All right, let's just finish it up here. I mean, it's very quick. Drags her and fucking tosses her across the room. To me, that is what gets that guy off. Like he he that's fucking fun for him. He likes doing that. He had to subdue her. Yeah, I know he had to subdue her because she was being so riotous, looking at her cell phone uh, mm-hmm. in a classroom. You know, sure, there's so many leave. different ways that you could handle that situation. And again, this is what I wanted to bring up. This is obviously where the email relates, Alejandro's email. That's a cop in a school. Now, I understand that in your, the way that you are saying it, that's obviously not what you mean when you say that you want a cop in the school. You think it would be, 
you know, as a protection means against the mass shooting. Fine. I totally understand that. But you have to understand from my point of view that that's a cop in a school. And I guarantee you that's not the rationale why he's supposed to be there, that he's supposed to yank unruly children out of their desks because their cell phones are out. Like that wasn't envi- what they envisioned, but that is clearly what happened there. And then the other thing that if you go going to f- follow logical thinking, so the cop is there to to remove her. What happens after he removes her? Does he bring her down to the police yeah, office she, because she, he, he was summoned? Or does he bring her down <laughs> to the principal's office well, exactly, as a right. bodyguard? Right. So oh, I'm confused on what would have been the correct way to handle this situation. Absolutely. Now, she did get arrested. And a lot of people have pointed out like you know, that I've been talking to about it or I've seen conversations about it where the other students didn't didn't jump up or do anything well part of the reason why is they said they were in shock right it's it's crazy and what are number two right it's a cop this also goes back to my point that it becomes this larger than life authority figure that i don't think is going to make you feel chill like to use alejandro's quote it's going to probably put you in a state of fear to an extent a low level because you know when something like this happens you'd want to be like whoa what the fuck are you doing which somebody did he got arrested this oh. this becomes the problem. So now you've now you've created in the attempt, I think, to make the safe space, you've created it to be a place of fear now, where potential discipline goes beyond just going to the principal's office. It's going down to jail in anger. You know, like for so looking that, at your cell phone. That's the right, and that's really the problem. Well, not putting away your cell phone, not leaving the class, being disrespectful, but that's always been a, a, a thing that is true of, of schools like things that have sometimes there's a kid that's just not in the fucking mood that day and they're going to be a little dick you know like yeah. it is what it is you know, it shouldn't it shouldn't come with violence uh on race wars last night we were over there kurt metzger was talking about like why or maybe it was Sherrod on the phone Sherrod was on the phone but anyway it's like take the other kids out of the class then like take all the if it's already disrupting that you need to pull this cop in to like mm-hmm. yank her out of the state why not let all the other kids leave the room. Now you talk to her one-on-one and be like, what are you doing? What is going that on? Would have been, that is a very interesting way to handle that. Of course. And it's nonviolent. Like, hey, everybody gets recess. You, you have an issue. Let's, uh, let's resolve this issue like adults, even though you're a minor and we apparently have to treat you like one. Of course. Right. So, all right. So that's fucked up. But that's an interesting point that those guys brought up. And I, I think it makes sense. Richland County Sheriff Leon Lott said he, quote, wanted to throw up when he saw the video, which, well, I, obviously. which I appreciate this guy's uh, sentiment. This uh, young lady has a cast on her arm. She has neck and back injuries and rug burn on her forehead from being, like, yanked across the floor like, a, like an animal. Uh, okay. These are quotes. Janelle George from the NAACP, she's the Legal Defense Fund Education Specialist. She says, it shows the dangers of increases. Uh, oh, it shows the dangers of increased police presence in schools. The push for more officers started after the Columbine school shootings in 1999 with an eye towards student safety, but we are seeing the conflation between safety and discipline, which is exactly Mm. what we were talking about. And also school shootings have gone up since Columbine. Yeah. There's more cops in schools now than ever before. And the numbers are going up, not down. Plus I would venture to say, Probably not incidents this extreme where you're going to catch it on camera and see this stuff, but I'm sure there's people getting fucked by the cop being there more so than people are being saved by the cops being there. You know what I mean? Like maybe not to this extent, but 
there's definitely stuff going on where it's discipline over safety, which is not what they're there for. That's how problem. do you mean by fucked? Like, like, uh, the drugs is like that. Yeah, something maybe somebody's or something we, stupid. Or, right. Like, or they're smoking a cigarette in the bathroom or something. You know what I mean? It's like the cops are going to be getting involved in situations that could just be handled by like a slap on the wrist metaphorically and like detention. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Where now people end up getting, uh, going to jail. Chalk-hoated and flipped. Right. And also the kid that stood up to, the, to defend her, I don't think he like went after the cop, but he was like, what are you doing? Like, stop. He should do that. That's the right human response to that situation. And he's now, now he has, a, you know, he's being criminalized for doing what any human being should do in that circumstance, which is like, whoa, that's insanely over the line. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got another quote from Leon Lott. There's a longer quote, the R- Richland County Sheriff. This is his quote. He says, he was wrong, and so was his action. It's not what I expected my deputies. He picked a student up, and he threw a student across the room. Based on that, that is a violation of our policy. I do not feel the proper procedure was used at that point, and that's what caused me my heartburn and my issues with this. The maneuver that he used was not based on the training or acceptable. Great, and the cop was fired. So this guy put his money where his mouth was, fired the cop. Great. He should he should be fired. This is Fields' lawyer, and then I'll let you go. Mm-hmm. He says, to that extent, we believe that Mr. Fields' actions were carried out professionally and that he was performing his job duties within the legal threshold. Sure. Of Absolutely. Course. You totally have to subdue that threat right. with a chokehold and a flip. Well, that girl was being a maniac. I mean, she was sitting there peering at her phone, <laughs> saying nothing, doing nothing. Just She's not even out of control. Like, that's she the was a distraction- to the classroom. Yeah. The cop flipping her <laughs> was not. not a distraction. <laughs> Putting a, a Kevin Nash uh, power bomb on her, not a, not a distraction, but okay. So anyway, you got any like little wrap-up thoughts about that? Because I got one more thing, and then we'll get to the debate. No, but I have to say I totally appreciate the Kevin Nash throw out there. Thank I know. You. I know. I know you do. <laughs> Woo. Uh, all right. So that anyway, so that, that's been out there. We might as you know, yeah. I figured we'd bring it up. And because it tied in nicely with that email, so I wanted to bring it up. Also, Alejandro, I, I love you, man. I'm not, you know. Yeah, I'm just, just using I'm using it to be, you know, inform the conversation. Mm-hmm. Ben Carson overtakes Donald Trump in a New York Times CBS News poll. For the first time, Carson is ahead of Trump 26% to 22%. These are pre-debate polls, obviously. Oh, okay. So because it's too, you know, the debate was last night. They didn't do polling. But it's interesting because, in my opinion, when Trump, if he stays in second place and he's consistently coming in second place, we're headed down the road where Donald Trump uh, says his goodbye to this whole thing. I think he sticks around for a little while. A little while, but if it gets any worse. I, I can't see it getting worse. No, why I, can't you see it getting worse? Because of that debate last night's an example of it. Well, we're going to talk about the debate uh, right now. Are you ready to get into this thing? Yes. So, like I always say, I have my debate notes here. Uh, this font's like a lot smaller on this computer. My God. Uh, it'll be fine. So I have my debate notes. I call them live tweet notes, but they're Mm -hmm. not really live. I watch them. I write stuff down. I put the time code and then we go through it. I cut it down a little bit from last time because I felt like it was By a little bit, you mean two, right? Like two segments to cut out? you know, like four minutes, a little shorter. (laughs) No, because I I feel like maybe it drains on a little bit, but like this was a weird debate anyway. It was very weird. It's going to be interesting. Now, Joey, well, first of all, Shelby, did you check out the debate? Did you see this thing? Yes, uh, uh, caught the end of it. Caught the end of it. Okay, yeah. You got there for the finale. I get it. Evan, you check it out or what? You can just yell. Uh, He saw parts of it. All right. So, you know, if you guys see something that you want to, you know, make a comment about, feel free. Uh, We got plenty of comments here. Joey. Yes. You you told, I said, Joey, did you watch the bit? And you're like, yeah, I saw it. And I was like, oh, okay. And then you're like, 
you know, but I watched the Mets a little bit, and I thought it started at nine. So it's like, so the power you went out. Twenty-five. Yeah, the power <laughs> went out in your house. What the fuck are you talking about? So you watched it for like twenty minutes. No, you watched what an hour? About an hour and a half. How did? Without getting into crazy specifics, and it's kind of a stupid thing. Like, who won the debate? But like, did anybody stand out? Uh, you know, as a positive for you, particularly out of the front runners. I do have to say, I feel Rubio was the one who stepped out and sh- said, "I am a viable candidate." Sure. I mean, that's been the me- again uh, before. Now, I also want to say this because mm-hmm. it's important. All of my notes are done before I look at anything. Yes. Uh, I don't. I I get the video online. I watch it. I take my notes, and then I'll go on you know news sites and, and like, see, see what how everyone saying. reacts. Okay. So understand that, that this is all done before the the other information comes out. Well, you're just saying that you we we can't 100 percent prove. You that. can't verify it, but I'm t- I you know I would listen. I would never lie to you, Samsonites. That's nonsense. Uh, ev- that's the media meme yes. that Rubio. You know, this is like his kind of his coming out party. I'm. Uh, I don't know. I'm a little bearish on that. Not okay. bull- like he did fine i don't mm-hmm. think he did anything to disqualify himself and of course i have notes about he, that as we go through the well, whole finance thing did seem a little off though yeah i mean we'll see as we get through yeah. it but he you know I, I think he did fine and again compared to some of the other shit yeah he looks terrific plus it's turning out that he's winning the the sheldon adelson the billionaire casino magnate he's getting a lot of the money from sheldon adelson so, oh so he's helps. probably feeling a little confident in all likelihood it's going to be rubio that's really what i feel which is interesting why the media now is all of a sudden like Rubio looked great. Yeah, because he's he's at least better than Carson and Trump and mm-hmm. you know Bush. I will say this: uh, I'm surprised by how poorly he did last night. I think he imploded. I wouldn't say imploded, but he really did not. I mean, he's just petering out. I mean, yes. he's really not doing well. And he resorted to a tactic that I'm very surprised that he went with. Anyways, let's uh, start this video up and then we can uh, really see what's going on. Let me just get the volume right here and then I'll pause it. Too loud, Joey, or what? A little loud. No, I think that's okay. Then why bother asking? Great question. All right. They introduced them. Big applause for Rubio and Fiorina. Nice applause for Trump and Carson, but Rubio and Fiorina actually got the big applause, which is interesting. Where are they? They're in Colorado or Colorado. Do any of them have home field advantage? I don't believe so. No. Okay. Um... All right, so here we go. Now, this is—I'll say this: I skipped around like the cruises and the Huckabees and Rand Paul. Even though I like Rand Paul, honestly, like I think he seems like a decent guy, and his, his ideas are some of them are a little bit out there. But it's like I can appreciate kind of like the libertarian mm-hmm. point of view, and and he does—he's it's fine to me. But I skipped around some of the lesser guys, Kasich. Like Aww. I have certain clips here and there, yeah, but they're just not viable, and that's what ends up taking up. A lot of the time. Yes, that is true. Having said that, I wanted to play one of Ted Cruz because his response to what is your biggest weakness is a rough one, and I found it annoying, so I just wanted to play it. He, uh, All right, here, here's Ted Cruz uh, talking about what his biggest weakness is. Weakness is exactly the opposite. I'm a fighter. I am passionate about what I believe. I've been passionate my whole life about the Constitution. And, you know... For six and a half years, we've had a gigantic party. If you want someone to grab a beer with, I may not be that guy. But if you want someone to drive you home, I will get the job done, and I will get you home. Ah. So he's going to DD the country? Yeah, he's going he's gonna, to... Uh, yeah. What, what, a, what a weirdo thing to say. He, it fell flat, because usually he's, he's very prepared with his, mm-hmm. like... And I love liberty. You know, he ends strong, and he was just like... You you might not want a beer with me, 
I'll, I'll, you know, I'll drive you home. He was like, this is a dumb analogy. He, he, in the middle of saying it, he was he like, realized oh, this how is bad a it was. stupid one. Yeah. yeah, this is a dumb one. Is he also going to mention that you shouldn't be having the alcohol? Oh, stop it, Joey. Come okay. on. Trump is questioned about his tax plan. He defends it by saying that Larry Kudlow, who's a CNBC like anchor guy, mm-hmm. loves it. Jeb jumps in and says Trump's plan doesn't work. We don't have to watch that clip. It doesn't matter. I also thought Trump had just a he's he's hitting the one note now. You know, like he's showing that he can't go any more or less than what he's doing right now. Mm-hmm. It's the same shtick every time. And I, I have comments about that, obviously, but we'll get into it. Ben Carson is asked how he thinks the flat tax will work. Most of the candidates believe their plans will work despite the numbers because the economy will grow. So a lot of times they're asked about their plan and they're like, you know, the 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 moderators are saying no, the numbers just don't add up. They're like, well, you're not factoring in the fact that the economy is just going to be amazing. Yeah, it's going to grow to the exact number we need it to grow for the system to work. Correct. Because so, that's the way life is. Absolutely. Well, yeah, of course. Right. It's a very hopeful, uh, hopeful approach. We're going to play more Carson than we've played in the past because Carson is in the lead. Carson's like really getting a lot of money mm-hmm. and he's becoming arguably the front runner. So this is Ben Carson talking about his flat tax plan. We're coming back to you in a minute. Becky's yeah. moving on. Dr. Carson, let's talk about taxes. You you have a flat tax plan, plan of 10% flat taxes. And I've looked at it, and this is something that is very appealing to a lot of voters, but I've had a really tough time. The flat tax pan is where you cook the books. Mm, clever. Nope. Trying to make the math work on this. If you were to take a 10% tax with the numbers right now on total personal income, you're going to come in with bringing in $1.5 trillion. That is less than half of what we build, bring in right now. And by the way, Perfect. it's going to leave us in a $2 trillion <laughs> hole. So what nice. analysis got you to the point where you think this will work? I don't remember this woman's name at all, but I like it. It was Becky. It Was it Becky? I thought it was Becky. I don't know. It doesn't Whatever. It doesn't matter. But I, she, she was... Good. Like, okay. she didn't get aggressive, but she was like, "How did I don't understand how you arrived there." The CNBC moderators are taking a lot of shit today. I've been reading because, in fairness, they did bring up a lot of not like kind of nonsense stuff, and it, it was more like interpersonal things. However, I I have notes about it later, but I feel like that's sort of when you have this many people, that's sort of the nature of the thing. What, how are you going to get into this like really extensive yeah, debate? Fifteen people you got to choose between. Yeah, you got to get you got to get specific and ask them something. Plus. Well, whatever. We'll get into it later. But anyway, I think she did a nice job, particularly. The other ones, you know, I could take or leave. Well, first of all, uh, I didn't say that the rate would be 10%. Uh, I used the tithing analogy. I, I understand okay. that. But if you, but the if rate, you look at the numbers, the, the you probably rate, have to get to 28 the, the rate is going to be much closer to 15%. Oh, okay. Okay. 15% will, still leaves you with well, a $1.1 $1. $1 trillion hole. <laughs> you also have to get rid of all the deductions <laughs> and all the loopholes. You also have to do some strategic cutting uh, in several places. Everything. Remember, we have 645 federal agencies and sub-agencies. Mm-hmm. Anybody who tells me that we need every penny in every one of those is uh, in a fantasy world. So also, we can stimulate the economy. That's going to be the real growth engine, stimulating the economy because it's t- Tethered, tethered down you'd right now cut, with so many to, regulations. You'd have to cut government by about 40% to make it work with a $1.1 trillion it's, it's not. <laughs> See, I like her very calm approach where she's like, well, factually, you'd have to basically cut government in half, which is impossible because you'd have to cut the military, which you're not going to do, and you'd have to do you know, X, Y, Z. You're just not going to do it. Not true. And, and it we, no, it's not true. Ah, wait, sorry. I'm stepping over her, and she deserves her uh, her spotlight here. Because it's t- 
tether, tethered down you'd right now cut, with so many to, regulations. You'd have to cut government by about 40% to make it work with a $1.1 trillion dollar It's It's not true. And, and it when, is true. I looked at the numbers. When we, when we, when we put all of the facts <laughs> down, you'll be able to see that it's not true. It works out very well. Dr. Carson. All right. Very good, Dr. Carson. Now, this guy, talk about not being ready for prime time. This guy's not ready for prime time. He's, a, you know, whatever, renowned neurosurgeon, very accomplished. He's got more debates. Be He's fine. a bore. And he, the more time he gets, see, this is the double-edged sword of being in the lead, he's going to get more time to answer questions. And when he does answer the questions, you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make it sense. Doesn't it's, sound just, right. it's the same thing as all of his crazy answers where he's talking about, you know. Rushing people. Come on, everyone. Let's shoot. Like, God damn it, Ben Carson. You just don't make any sense. Kasich goes after Trump and Carson and others for fantasy plans. Now, the reason why I wanted to play this, this is going to give Kasich a little shine. I think it's interesting, I guess, that he does this. But this is also like classic. This is this is the move that everybody makes during this debate. They all copied each other's playbook where it's like, can we just get to the real issues? Can we stop being silly? You know, they all play this game. Which, which by the way, I just want to point out, anytime they did talk about the real issues, they had fantasy ways of coming out of it. Absolutely, but that's that's neither here nor there. That doesn't help. Well, we're gonna get into it. We, okay. I have, but believe me, I have notes about this. All okay. right, so this is uh, this Kasich just going after Trump and Carson and you know other people on stage. Let him say what he's got to say. Oh shit! What did I do? About in the beginning, I, I'm about to ask you about this. That is, you had some very strong words to say yesterday about what's happening in your party and what you're hearing from the two gentlemen we've just heard from. I'm would the you, only would person, you repeat it? I'm the only person on this stage that actually was involved in the chief architect of balancing the federal budget. You can't do it with empty promises. You know, these plans would put us trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. I actually have a plan. I'm the only one on this stage that has a plan that would create jobs, cut taxes, balance the budget, and can get it done because I'm realistic. You just don't make promises like this. Why don't we just give a chicken in every pot while we're you know, coming, up, coming up with these fantasy tax schemes? We'll just clean it up. Where you know what's funny? He should have said clucking up with these, you know, like go with that chicken metaphor. Joey, Joey literally rolled his eye. Joey just looked at me with the most hatred I've ever seen. You're going to clean it up. You have to deal with entitlements. You have to be in a position to control discretionary spending. You got to be creative and imaginative. Now, let me just be clear, John. Nah, it's okay. So now he gets <laughs> into his whole plan. It doesn't matter because you're not going to win. Uh, all right. So that was Kasich. Now Trump hits back at Kasich. Kasich responds, but it doesn't matter. Trump hits him pretty good here. But again, this is the one note that Trump is really good at hitting. The rest of the time, it's just like vagaries and saying Mexico and China a bunch of times. Uh all right, so this is Trump hitting back at uh, Kasich, which, you know, whatever. It's just, it's funny, I guess. Fracking, okay, he hit oil. He got lucky with fracking, believe he's me. He's talking about the Ohio economy. I cut off the beginning of that. He's, oh, okay. He's, okay, he's like, he got, a, he got lucky with oil. That's why Ohio is doing well. Number, and that's important for you to know. Number two, yeah. this is the man that was a managing general partner at Lehman Brothers when it went down the tubes and almost took every one of us with us, including Ben and myself. Oh, wow. Because I was there and I watched what happened. Yeah, it's interesting. Trump's like buddy-buddy with Carson quite a bit during this, uh, this debate. Yeah, he is. Well, he's just going to be buddy-buddy with who, who, who's ever in first place. That, that's his game plan. Yeah, well, he's out of his mind, though. If he, th- I mean, again, I don't think he's really running, but if he is actually running and, and he thinks that he's going to like somehow get a VP nod or something. Oh, my God, that'd be... He's out of his mind. Ben Carson and Trump? Brothers started it all. He was on the board, and he was a managed general partner. And just thirdly, he was so nice. He was such a nice guy. 
And he said, oh, I'm never going to attack. But then his poll numbers tanked. He's got very, that's why he's on the end. And he got nasty. Uh-huh. And he got nasty. So you know what? You can have him. Trump is such a dismissive fuck. He really is. I mean, it's funny, but he's such a douche. Uh, He's not a douche. That's the thing. Like that's that's funny. Like this guy's funny. He'll say anything. He doesn't care. It's it's funny. I I enjoy it. Anyway, Carson defends his flat tax plan poorly. This is the next clip that I have here. And bear with me while I get to the uh, the cue. Wait for it, Joey. Hey. If you're talking about an $18 trillion economy, you're talking about a 15% tax on your gross domestic product. You're talking about... 1.8 trillion. It's 10%. Oh, he's saying 15, right? Or whatever. Okay. 2.7 trillion. Right, 15. We have a budget closer to 3.5 trillion. Mm -hmm. But if you also apply that same 15% to uh, several other things, including corporate taxes uh, and including... uh, the capital gains taxes, you make that amount up pretty quickly. So that's not by any stretch pie in the sky. Uh, Carson uses the expression pie in the sky and wins me over. That's my actual name. I'm voting for, I now support Ben Carson. Because he said a pie in the sky. Pie in the sky. I love dumb expressions like that. That might be the title of the episode if I'm being completely frank with you. Pie in the sky sounds pretty good to me. Um, Here's the thing. Does Carson, Reagan's the big sainted hero on the right. Is Carson that charismatic and exciting to listen to? Like, there's something missing there, personality He wasn't a movie star. Nah, he's not inspired, but he's not like this bombastic kind of guy that that I think is necessary to win the, you know, the conservative nomination, the Republican nomination. He's just not that guy, I feel like, you know? Even if his plans were making sense and all this stuff, you know, it just doesn't seem like it's there. Only time will tell. Well, I think we already know. Carly Fiorina wants to reduce the tax code from 73,000 pages to three. So, quote, single business owners, farmers, or just a couple can understand. It's th- that's uber simplistic and obviously not going to be the case. So that's that's kind of like dumb, dumb thing to put out there. All right. Rubio's first chance to do something comes about 20 minutes into this thing. Mixed reviews, in my opinion. The crowd likes the red meat tossed their way at the end. The media is biased, which becomes a, a theme throughout this. Uh, Jeb jumps in and hits Rubio fucking hard, which is interesting. These two are like good friends. Like they're Mm -hmm. really friends. Bush is Rubio's mentor. Rubio turns it around nicely. Uh, and then I just wrote as an aside, Jeb just doesn't look good. Most of the time he's asked why he's doing so poorly. He doesn't do much there. He plugs his website and that's about it. Cause he needs donations. Now let's listen to uh, Marco Rubio. This is his first chance to do something. It's fine. You know, I, w- I wouldn't say it's anything spectacular, but here we go. We will come around the bend, I, I promise. This one's for Senator Rubio. Now, again, uh, bear in mind that this is the guy that people are saying really stood out and, like, won the debate. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know about that. I, I mean, fine. If that's what the opinion's going to be, then that is probably going to be the case. Like, the story becomes the reality. But I don't know. Watching the thing, I wasn't like, ooh, Rubio. And even still, I think he... I've been saying for the last few weeks, I think he's going to be the guy that's probably going to get the nomination. Here more Jeb, but Jeb Yeah, but really the important thing is terrible. the better he does on the next debate, he gets to be closer to the middle. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's all about being in where Ben is right now. The key is to stay close enough, but not enough. Like, Rubio's in a good spot right now. If he can stay, like, in, like, third or he can move up to third and, like, kind of stay there, he'll get just enough questions where he can, like, you know, volley back and forth with Trump a little bit, answer a little more questions, but kind of stay out of the, the, the way and then hope that when it gets to Iowa... He gets he gets a lot of votes and the, you know we'll see it. what happens because Trump will be out after that or before that even. All right, 
You've been a young man in a hurry ever since you won your first election in your 20s. You've had a big accomplishment in the Senate, an immigration bill providing a path to citizenship that conservatives in your party hate and even you don't support anymore. Now you're skipping more votes than any senator to run for president. Why not slow down, get a few more things done first, or at least finish what you start? Yeah, that's an interesting... Meanwhile, now they're going to complain about the questioning. It's like, is that a fucking lob pitch to him? Like, mm-hmm. well, how come you're so... How come you're such a go-getter? Like, shut up. That, that's not a real question. And then they're going to complain that the media... Like, give me a break. Question. That's exactly what the Republican establishment says, too. Why don't you wait in line? Wait for what? This country's running out of time. We can't afford to have another four years like the last eight years. Watching this broadcast tonight are millions of people that are living paycheck to paycheck. They're working as hard as they ever have. Everything costs more, and they haven't had a raise in decades. You have small businesses in America that are struggling. For the first time in 35 years, we have more businesses closing than starting. We have a world that's out of control and has grown dangerous, and a president that is weakening our military and making our foreign policy unstable and unreliable in the eyes of our allies, and our adversaries continue to grow stronger. We have a, they say there's no bipartisanship in Washington. We have a $19 trillion bipartisan debt, and it continues to grow as we borrow money from companies, from countries that do not like us to pay for government we cannot afford. The time to act is now. The time to turn the page is now. If we, if we don't act now, we are gonna be the first generation in American history that leaves our children worse off than ourselves. See, so, all right, he answers it, but you mm-hmm. can hear it's a little rehearsed. Like, the cadence is rehearsed. Yes. You know what I mean? And you can hear that. That could, of course, can be stuff that he works on, but we'll see. I mean, fine, fine answer. No, he did nothing to hurt himself. I don't think it sounded amazing. Okay. Question for you. Do you feel that the, uh, the Twitter comments are taking away from the debate? Oh, what, that little crawl at the bottom? Yeah, a little crawl. I, I don't even look at them, to be honest. Yeah, I try to ignore them, but yeah, of course they are. Okay. <laughs> it's fucking stupid. Why do we Why do we need that? Why do we need that at the bottom? You're, Just you're right. to remind us that everyone's accessible on Twitter, I guess? I, I, it's I mental. Know. Well, the bottom, it's pause right now. It says, I've taken a drink every time the CNBC anchor said, quote, ascending. Like, is that part of it? Like, do we need that? Go on do. Twitter if you want to see what people think about it. <laughs> You're watching TV now. Watch TV. Yeah. It's, it's stupid. All right, let's finish up with this Rubio clip. So when the Sun Sentinel says Rubio should resign, not rip us off, when they say Floridian sent you to Washington to do a job, when they say you act like you hate your job, do you? Yeah, let me say, I, I, I read that editorial today with a great amusement. It's actually evidence of the bias that exists in the American media well, today. But do you hate your job? Let me, let me answer your question on this the Sun the, Sentinel this editorial is the red today. Meat. Back in 2004, one of my predecessors to the Senate by the name of Bob Graham, a Democrat, ran for president, missing over 30% of his votes. I don't recall them calling for his resignation. Is that the standard? Later that year, in 2004, John Kerry ran for president, missing close to 60 to 70% of his votes. I don't recall the Sun Sentinel. In fact, the Sun Sentinel endorsed him. In 2008, Barack Obama missed 60 or 70% of his votes, and the same newspaper endorsed him again. So this is another example of the double standard that exists in this country between the mainstream media and the conservative media. I do have to say that uh, that sounds like a logical argument. It, it is, but you know, there's a reason. Sure, it sounds logical. I mean, I, I'll let him. I'll let him say that. That's fine. I mean, there's obviously something more to it, right? I mean, he's spinning in a different way. Though those numbers might not even be true. What he's saying about how many votes those people missed and all that stuff. But okay, well, I mean, it, whatever. It is what it is. Uh, fine. He throws some red meat there. The crowd likes it. Obviously, the crowd loves it. That's where points come. You know what I mean? Like that's where he's scoring points. It doesn't have to be substantive, really. It's just like, yeah, I agree, Marco. I have a feeling they're doing it too. Senator, 
Thank you. John, right, can, I, can, I, can I bring something up here? Because I'm a constituent of the senator, and I helped him, and, and I expected that he would do constituent service, which means that he shows up to work. Uh, he got endorsed by the Sun Sentinel because he was the... Ah, see? Ah. There you go. Yeah, I, I, I knew that was coming, so I wanted to wait. Like, right, he's going to say that they endorse all these liberals. Meanwhile, he was endorsed by them. So it's like, hmm. shut the fuck... You know, like, so what? what is that evidence of? That they're equal? Like, there's no bias then? Come on. <laughs> Most talented guy in the field. He's a gifted politician. But Marco, when you signed up for this, this was a six-year term. And you should be showing up to work. I mean, literally, the Senate, what is it, like a French work week? You get like three days where you have to show up. You can campaign or just resign and let someone. Smart by Jeb throws out a reference to something in Europe, which, you know. We hate. Yeah. Someone else take the job. There are a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck in Florida as well. They're looking for a senator that will fight for them each and every day. I get to respond, right? 30 seconds. 30 right. seconds. Well, it's interesting. Over the last can few weeks, I've listened. Sure. Just, it, it seems that. During this whole debate, they're like talking to two different people. What do you mean? Well, who they? Pa- the the candidates. It seems like paycheck to paycheck. They keep on saying it, but I don't think it registers to them what that actually means. Yeah, oh, of course not. That's just like obvious political. You know, it's the same. I mean, it's the same thing on the on the left when you have Hillary being like, you know, or anybody Bernie said like working class, middle class. You know, it's those buzzwords like paycheck to paycheck. They're talking to what they perceive as like the right thing to say when in reality all the republicans would have to do is like not be so aggressive on uh immigration maybe support weed legalization they'd get a much broader coalition of people Mm -hmm. they they they're fighting over like the poor white people that's who they're fighting over that's why they use this kind of coded language that's why they go so far to the right if they would just broaden their appeal just a little bit Loosen up a little bit on gay marriage. Loosen up on, you know, any of these issues. Say, you know what? Maybe Black Lives Matter does have a little bit of a point. Mm-hmm. Boom. You might you might be surprised to how, how much that opens up the dialogue the and maybe you can get some everything. more votes. But they, but they are fighting over a narrow sliver of the population. And that's why you hear this language over and over again. This is, this is sad to watch, these two fighting. Mm-hmm. They'll hug it out, though. To Jeb, as you've walked around the country and said that you're modeling your campaign after John McCain, that you're going to launch a furious comeback the way he did by fighting hard in New Hampshire and places like that, carrying your own bag at the airport. You know how many votes John McCain missed when he was carrying out that furious comeback that you're now modeling it I'm, under? He wasn't my concern. No, Jeb, I don't remember. Senator. Well, let me tell you, I don't remember you ever complaining about John McCain's vote record. The only reason why you're doing it now is because we're running for the same position and someone has convinced you that attacking me is going to help you. Well, I've been... Oof. Now, that hurts. That's what I mean. That hit mm-hmm. him hard. I also, in my, my mind, have a little bit of a conspiracy theory. Again, these two are, like, close. They've been friends for a long time. He, this might be a setup. This might have been, a, like, a little alley-oop for Jeb to rubio because jeb's out of it it seems like like jeb seems like he's kind of resigned his fate like well my brother fuck you know it's just not gonna happen so he loves rubio so maybe he's like here i'll tell you what i'll give you a couple softballs that you can crush during the debate and then you know when it comes we see where you are next when it comes uh cuffing season to pick uh, your vice president you know you know who your guy is so that could be could be i'm not saying that's the case so are you saying that they handcuffed each other already like uh what? No, it's cuff. Forget it, Joe. Okay. Here's the bottom line. I'm not, my campaign 
is going to be about the future of America. It's not going to be about attacking anyone else on this stage. I will continue to have tremendous admiration and respect for Governor Bush. I'm not running against Governor Bush. I'm not running against anyone on the stage. I'm running for president because there is no way we can elect Hillary Clinton to continue the policies of Barack Obama. Okay, see, so now, so right, so Rubio turns that around nicely. Jeb lets him do it. Jeb doesn't like cut him off at all anymore. It could be. I'm not saying that Jeb's throwing the towel in. I think he still has maybe a frag. You know, I mean, he has as much chance as Carson does, I feel like, right? Like Car- mm-hmm. so, At this point. But could have been a little alley-oop to, uh, to Rubio. Just a thought. Who knows? Uh, let's see. Fiorina is asked to defend her HP record. I'm not, I'm not going to say. <laughs> you'll, you'll know why I'm playing it. Uh, she she dis- disappointing performance, I feel like, in this one. She didn't capitalize on the momentum from. Mm-hmm. She didn't do anything since the last debate, I feel like. She didn't yeah. capitalize on any of it. And it's the same shit. They keep asking her about HP. So let's hear what Carly Fiorina has to say, and then you'll know exactly when I'm uh, tired of hearing about this. For nine quarters in a row. As an outsider, I tackled HP's entrenched problems head on. I cut the bureaucracy down to size, reintroduced accountability, focused on service on innovation all right and we're done uh so she there she is with the innovation a couple of people snapped sent me snaps being like she's saying it she's (laughs) saying innovation uh all right and then actually i skip ahead a little bit we do have a little bit more from carly fiorina but that fucking the way she's in innovation is just mental hold on sorry my hand's not working there we go looking for that in Washington now. And yes, I was fired over a disagreement in the boardroom. There are politics in the boardroom as well. And yet the man who led my firing, Tom Perkins, an icon of Silicon Valley, has come out publicly and said, you know what? We were wrong. She was right. She was a great CEO. She'd be a great president of the United States because the leadership she brought to HP is exactly the leadership we need in Washington, D.C. <laughs> so she can be fired. Yeah, once again, I mean, we, we've gone at length at Carly Fiorina. We read the whole Steve Jobs thing and all that shit where it's like no you were a terrible stop it that's not the case meanwhile she brings up this guy tom perkins they listen to the again this what is the woman's name becky you i said? think it's becky something it doesn't matter but well it does matter probably to her her parents her friends and family but <laughs> I, I don't know her name but she did a nice job listen to how she comes back real smooth this is fiorina it's interesting that you bring up mr perkins because he said a lot of very questionable things last year in an interview he said that he thinks wealthy people should get more votes than poor people i think his quote was that if you pay zero dollars in taxes you should get zero votes if you pay a million dollars you should get a million votes is this the type of person you want to defend well this is one of the reasons why tom perkins and i had disagreements in the boardroom becky (laughs) oh it is becky it is becky all right nevertheless One of the things that I think people don't always understand is how accountable a CEO actually is. So, you know, I had to report results every 90 days in excruciating detail. I had to answer every single question about every single result and every single projection in public until there were no more questions. And if I misrepresented those results or those projections in any way, I was held criminally liable. Oh, yeah, because they were going to send you to jail. Stop. CEOs don't go to jail in America. That's not how that works. Like, that's such a bullshit thing. That's why I wanted to play that. Let it wrap up and then we'll move on. Imagine, imagine if a politician were held to that standard of account. I will run yeah, They would all be in jail. Yeah, long. I know, but that's what she's implying. It's like, oh, stop it. You, no, but no CEOs are going to jail. Politicians are not really going to jail. Come on. No one's going to jail. It's, it's just ridiculous. All right, so I continued here and I made a little uh, comment. I said, Cruz is gaining weight. The campaign trail is rough. <laughs> you might be hitting up a lot of fast food. He should be careful. He's not a young man anymore. He does. He looks like he put on a, a couple of pounds, but it's all right. How many is a couple to you? Like 10? 
maybe a little more. You you look. I mean, he's he's gained a little bit of weight. He's a little he's a little fat fatty with a lot of anger problems. Uh, <laughs> that could be a good title, fat fatty with anger yeah, problems. I like that. Look at him. He he did. He he ballooned up a little bit, Joe. You can yeah, tell. He did. His neck his neck is hanging out over that that shirt. Cruz throws some more red meat. At least one person in every debate has to do this move. He keeps going on like an asshole. He's really a clown, and he's embarrassing himself with this. Meanwhile, the questions are basically fucking softballs with no definitive answer. You can say whatever you want to almost everything. Stop whining. Plus, he says the questions for the Democrats were, why are you so handsome and wise, which is obviously nonsense. We played clips, and most of them were legitimate <laughs> politics. We watched that debate. I mean, we got into it in detail. Yes. Were a lot of the questions like, why are you so good at your job? Like, that's no. not what the questions were. They were like, how do you, you know, Syria and what would you do with a, uh, a you know, a um, no fly zone and all this stuff. They got into like a lot yes. of stuff. It, it, it was legitimate. They talked about taxes. They talked about a lot of stuff. Christie is a surprising non-factor. I have a cruise clip. We're going to play okay. it. But Christie is a surprising non-factor. He always attacks Hillary, which is kind of a smart move, except he's made no traction against anyone on the stage. It's fine that he's looking ahead and trying to keep it in everybody's mind that he would go up against Hillary Clinton. Smart. Mm-hmm. But he's not doing well against anybody here. He's just a, kind of a non-factor. I will say this. This was probably his most engaged Best debate showing. towards the end. Yeah. But it's nothing crazy. Cruz showed up like a clown. Moderator says, we're clearly not having... Oh, well, whatever. Maybe uh, I don't even know if I play that clip. Well, I'll read it. The uh, The moderator says, we're clearly not having a beer, like he mentioned earlier. Like, I might not be the guy you'll have a beer with. Cruz says he'll get him a tequila or a, quote, famous Colorado brownie. Come out in support of weed legalization then, dum-dum. If you're going to make that joke about the pot brownies, you can let just have it. go for it. Like, you're going to win. Can I say them? Say, say it. Let them have the brownie. Let them eat brownie. Yeah, let them eat brownie. That could be a good title, too. Okay. Let me say something at the outset. The questions that have been asked so far in this debate illustrate why the American people don't trust the media. <laughs> He's such a butthole. This, this guy, like, he runs on applause, Cruz. Like, that's what he lives well, for. But, too, also, that we have a habit of doing it, they are playing to a crowd. Yes. Yeah, but it, there's an art to that. Like yes. Trump is playing to a crowd too, but he knows when no, no, to no. do it. Con- he, no, know. he's always playing to the crowd. He's playing to everybody. Yeah, yeah, of course. But Cruz, Cruz is playing to a certain segment of people. Yeah, absolutely. But it's red meat. It's always yeah. dark. You know. All right, finish up, Ted. This is not a cage match. And you look at the questions. Donald Trump, are you a comic book villain? Ben Carson, can you do math? John Kasich, will you insult two people over here? Marco Rubio, why don't you resign? Jeb Bush, why have your numbers fallen? How about talking about the substantive issues people care about? Oh, they all do this thing. tonight. It's the same thing. They all do it. They, they all, all do they this. All, they all aped this move. And and also, in fairness, uh, Bernie Sanders did this move as well. With yes. the Hillary, We're tired of the goddamn emails. Yeah. Or whatever, you know, whatever he said. I don't think he said goddamn, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, th- that's a move. Yes. And they're all they're all doing it. Does this count? Does this support? Do we get credit for this one? And, and Carl, Carl, I, I'm not finished yet. The contrast with the Democratic debate, where every fawning question from the media was, which of you is more handsome and wise? That's, but again, like, is that no. really true? No, that's a pretend thing that he said. We watched that debate. It was, it was, Okay. <laughs> So this is and a let question me about clear. the dead limit, which you, you have 30 seconds left to answer, <laughs> so should you choose to do so. 
let me be clear. I was praying at that moment. Here, we we drink some water? Well, not that he would drink some water, that it would get worse. You know, like when you get a tickle in your throat, you're like, I can't, you know what, I can't Uh, talk. (laughs) I was was like, please God, let it happen. But it just didn't. He got through it. The men and women on this stage have more ideas, more experience, more common sense than every participant in the Democratic debate. It's simply not true. All the candidates on the Democratic debate have been elected officials. Hillary Clinton was the Secretary of State. Bernie Sanders has been a senator for 40 years. Lincoln Chavey was a governor. He was in Congress. I forget Mm -hmm. what his position was. Webb's been a senator. Like, that's just simply not true. They, They have more experience, really, if you average it out. Carson, zero experience. Trump, zero experience. Like, what are you doing? He's just talking. Yeah, he just says whatever he wants and people enjoy it. Yeah. That debate reflected a debate between the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks. Good one. Well, he's got his clown shoes on. I don't get it. And nobody (laughs) watching at home believes that any of the moderators has any intention of voting in a Republican primary. The questions that are being asked shouldn't be trying to get people to tear into each other. It should be, what are your substantive okay, solutions okay. to people? I, 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 I just want the record to reflect. Guys, I asked you about the dead limit, and on. I got no answer. I, okay, all right, you, on, want, you want to answer that question? I'm happy to answer the question. I'm happy to answer the question, but let me tell you how the question is. Let me tell you how that Let me tell you how the question is. So you don't actually want to hear the answer, John? No. You don't want to hear the answer. You just want to look the insult. You used your time on something else. Senator Paul? You're not interested in an answer John to a, to I'm interested a deal. in an answer My from Senator Paul Senator Paul Oof. shut him down good it's like shut the fuck you know you went on your your soapbox that was your time you used your time you, you're you in, blew it you yeah blew you, it. you're nowhere okay Trump is asked about bankruptcy again. It's hard to say whether this is hurting him or what. It keeps coming up every debate. He gives the same answer every time where it's like, I use the proper business tools, you know, and he just goes into Doesn't this whole Doesn't that spiel. scale anyone, though, that he used the procedure correctly to <laughs> his benefit? Right. Well, that, well, that, that, hey, this system is set up in such a way that someone can actually uh, make out better than they were doing. Yeah, he could just cut cut bait and, and run, right? The people that work at the casinos and whatever that lose their jobs, doesn't no matter. Trump worked shit. out fine. I use the, you know, he says the same thing all the time. All right, well, we don't have to get into it, but I'm just pointing it out. I don't know whether that's hurting him or not, the, the bankruptcy thing, but it does come up a lot. Uh, then I wrote, oh, fuck, they brought out Jim Cramer. Great, let's yell some. Let's yell some. Damn it, I stepped on my own. Okay. Uh, Carson- Can't have it back. No, he's the mad money guy. He's a psycho. Carson is having an okay debate. He's very even keel. I don't see how anyone would be impressed or dismayed by him so far. Like I've been saying, it's yeah. like he is what he is. Christie is asked if General Motors higher ups should have been prosecuted for their manufacturing cover up. He says the DOJ is political, and then he mentions someone, and we're going to play that for that reason. Nice. So we're skipping ahead quite a bit here. Uh, yeah, that's about right. Play my voice. Uh, the, the fact is that this. Yeah, I just- know, and that's why that's always in my head. I'm like, God, oh, d- <laughs> dummy. Can you can you show me the overweight governor in New Jersey, please? Justice Department under this president um, has been a political justice department. It's been a justice department that's decided that they want to pick who the winners and losers are. They like General Motors, so they give them a pass. They don't like somebody else, like David Petraeus. They prosecute them and send a decorated general um, to disgrace. It's points. It's not points, and the reason why I wanted to play that clip, we talked about this on the podcast. Petraeus leaked classified information to his biographer, who he was also fucking at the time. Yeah, pillow uh, talk. By the way, pretty sure we covered that on the program. We did. But yeah, it's political. He got a $100,000 fine and two years probation. He fucking leaked classified documents. They all, wanna, they all want to hang Snowden. He's yes. not disgraced. Petraeus <laughs> will be back. He'll write a book, what I learned. You know, it's... 
it's just annoying that that's the example he chooses to bring up. Meanwhile, if it, he 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 hates Snowden, I'm sure. I mean, the blowhard, I'm sure, is way against Snowden. What do you think the title of the book would be? Petraeus's book. Yes. Um, Things not to talk about in sex. Yeah, in and out and back again. Nice. What, what I learned about pillow talk, classified documents, and America's liberty. I just like write that down. Let's, let's can we copyright that? <laughs> uh, Christie says he'll make justice quote more than just a word. It'll be a way of life. Then he spit shined his sheriff's badge and headed off to Applebee's for some half price apps. Well <laughs> that's, what I, that's, what I, that's what I read for that. Okay, didn't didn't go over. Forty six minutes eleven seconds. Shelby, you thought that was funny, right? Yeah. No, so tell let the people know. Hilarious. Thank you. I, I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, Bush ends his campaign. Right here. Right here, right now, play it. What the fuck? Is W actually a better politician? Yes. We, look, the, the deal was already done. The biggest tax increase happened under the watch of Barack Obama and spending's gone up. You find a Democrat that's for cutting taxes, t- cutting spending $10, I'll give him a warm kiss. Thank you, guys. Oh, what the fuck are you talking about? What is that? Uh, I don't know. That is a that is that's as desperation. That is as uncomfortable as it gets. He's just completely lost. Ugh. I mean, well, whatever. Listen, there's nothing hotter than two really attractive guys really making out. But I'm just saying, it's weird when Jeb Bush does it. A warm kiss. What a what a weird what a weird thing to say. Shouldn't have been a hot kiss. Anything, Shelby. You could have told me like, I'm gonna play you an audio clip. <laughs> Do not react at all to it, or we'll shoot you. And then you play that, and I would instinctively go what yeah which you actually did <laughs> yeah you were off mic and he was just like what like why the fuck would you even consider putting the words first of all warm kiss warm kiss yeah oh what a freaking weird move that was is he hinting that he wants a piece of hillary i i, I have no idea what he was talking about there that's uncomfortable that made me uncomfortable when i heard it just like warm kiss what what a, what a horrible move and that that to me it's like whatever he's done like yeah, nobody's it. gonna respond well to that it's not even funny like he's trying to be funny but he's just so off kilter he doesn't know Man. what the hell's going on rubio deflects questions about his fiscal intelligence brings the heat with a classic line the moderator stays at him he handles it he's not spectacular was it something about his dad he's adequate don't blow it okay you know what's weird joey Yes. This is in my notes, but I'm asking you now as though I'm thinking of it right now. They're all acting like the CNBC people are probably Democrats, but it would seem to me that the business people and money market people are either conservative or agnostic politically, because that's the easiest way to make, like, don't be aligned with either party. Go with the party that's going to make you the most money at the right time. Absolutely. It doesn't seem to me like these people are are really political or like lefties. No, I I believe the thing was marketing. Watch your it's your money for your vote or vote for your money or something. Exactly, it's all about it's supposed to be all be about money and tax plans and stuff like that. But right, but but to to couch these people as like leftists, like come on, Rick Sant. He comes on later. I guess his name is Rick Santelli or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He was the guy whose bullshit comments on the stock market sparked Occupy Wall Street. Like, he's such an asshole. Oh. Remember? I mean, this is a long time ago. Yeah, Go yeah, back yeah. and find the clip. But, like, they're they're conservative, I'm pretty sure. Or, like I said, politically agnostic. All right. This is Rubio deflecting uh, some questions, throws out a little red meat. Uh, oh, and then I wrote, also, I skipped through Cruz and Huckabee and Rand Paul. Even though I find him to be a decent guy with some ideas, I can wrap my head around because they're simply, they're not going to be factors here. No. They treat Rand Paul like a, like a, a bitch on the end of the you know, <laughs> He's just there. Even though he has actual ideas. You might not agree with them. I might not agree with all of them. 
but he actually has an ideology. It's like mm-hmm. a legitimate. Okay. Senator Rubio, you yourself have said that um, you've had issues. You have a lack of bookkeeping skills. Uh, you accidentally intermingled campaign money with your personal money. You faced foreclosure on a. What's sec- with Becky Quick's uh, voice, though? I was wondering that. She does a little bit of the vocal vocal fry uh, at the end. I can't really do it, but you know, she asks. Let her play it. Like Let her play. What do you think? She smokes a lot of cigs or what? She's got I, a little vape I didn't pen. even notice it. So play oh, it, we'll try play to notice it. it. Now she's I'm going to try now. All right. She's like a she's like a film noir vixen. <laughs> her voice. Second home that you bought, and just last year you liquidated a sixty-eight thousand dollars retirement. Thousand dollars. You don't hear that? I think it's fine. I don't, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying what happened. A few cigarettes before the it's show. It's probably a few cigarettes. Or maybe she's just screaming, screaming into the mirror. I hate the Republicans. And then she goes out and asks them really uh, libelous questions. All right, here we go. Ru- Marco Rubio. What's up, bro? And that's something that cost you thousands of dollars in taxes and penalties. In terms of all of that, it raises the question whether you have the maturity and the wisdom to leave a $17 trillion economy. What do you say? Well, you just, you just listed a litany of uh, discredited attacks from Democrats and my political opponents, and I'm not going to waste 60 seconds detailing them all, but I'm going to tell you the truth. That's the right way to handle that. Don't, don't defend yourself against that. Just be like, that's bullshit. Whether it's bullshit or not, I don't know, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't look it up. Because again... The, the devil's not in the details here. Mm-hmm. It's like how he handles it because people are not, if you're inclined to watch this and vote for them, you don't care about the details of that. No. And if you're watching it because you want to criticize them and you're going to vote for Hillary or Bernie Sanders, you assume the details are correct. You know what I mean? So it doesn't even really matter at that point. It's how he handles it. Now I'm willing to bet there's probably some f- fire there where there's yes. a little, sp- you know what I mean? Okay. Here's the truth. I didn't inherit any money. My dad was a bartender. My mother was a maid. They there he is. I knew that. I knew Brings that was the coming. classic line, and I got I got a Snapchat about that too. Where it's like, what? I think he is his dad a bartender. I forget <laughs> what the staff. It's like I don't know. I think I've heard that before, but it's hard to provide us the chance at a better life. They didn't save enough money for us to go to school. I had to work my way through school. I had to borrow money to go to school. Try early in my yeah, like mar- every goddamn human being in America. Mm-hmm. Explaining to my wife why someone named Sally May was taking a thousand dollars out of our bank account every month. That was clever. It's clever. He's this is a better answer, but then it keeps going. See, the problem with these guys is they don't know how to fucking close it out. Trump closes it out. He's like, nope, we're done. You know, yeah. that's blah blah blah, and then he, it's over. These guys let it linger a little bit, so they get hit with more questions. It's not, it's not solid. You know what it's like to owe that money, and we've worked hard. We've worked hard our whole life to provide a better family, a better life for our family. We own a home four blocks away from the place that I grew up in. My four children have been able to receive a good Christian education, and I've been able to save for them to go to college. Oh, thank God. So they never have to have the loans that I did. But I'm not worried about my finances. I'm worried about the finances of everyday Americans right. who today are struggling in an economy that is not producing good-paying jobs while everything else costs more. And that's what this economy needs to be. This, that's what this debate needs to be about. This debate needs to be about the men and women across this country that are struggling on a daily basis to provide for their families the better future that we've always said this country's all about. Senator, I understand all of that. I had a lot of student loans when I got out, too. But <laughs> And then, you know, also, because I would buy cartons of uh, Virginia Slims and a smoke them nonstop, wake up, have a how, cigarette, go to sleep. How have could a you lose? I, lo- I love Becky Beauty Quick. She's my favorite. Sponsor. Chesterfield Cigarettes. Uh, well, Joe, remember, we had a little bit of a falling out with Chesterfield Cigarettes because it turns oh, out they do do damage to your internal organs, brain, heart, everything. You know. All right, fine. But yes, Chesterfield Cigarettes. 
king size or regular uh just like the uh, i can't remember those those women the corbett sisters or whatever the fuck they are all right the twins you've had a windfall that a lot of americans haven't you made over a million dollars on a book deal and some of these problems came out and i use it to pay off my loans and it's available on paperback if you're interested in buying it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, solid all right rubio hi hope that you liquidated that retirement account the fact and, and that cost you about twenty four thousand dollars out of that in taxes okay so all right so this is a little annoying i feel like where her, where she's going with this it was like when anderson cooper after the, the goddamn emails thing then he kept, he going, kept back on to, going with it's it it's like all right well you made your point we get it he he doesn't understand how taxes work and he's a little flippant about losing 24 grand because what the fuck does he care he knows he's gonna be a mil- like he's set now so it doesn't really matter i get it i get what mm-hmm. you're doing but just drop it because if you're trying to hurt him you did, but now you're going to, uh, Jesus, what is that phrase? It's diminishing return. I can't think of what it is, but mm-hmm. it's like now you're going at it so much that it's actually coming back the other way where it's like, all right, leave the guy alone. Yeah, it's not helping. Fees. That, that was after you'd already come into that windfall. That's why I raised the question. Yeah, again, as I said, we're raising a family in the 21st century, and it's one of the reasons why my tax plan is it, a pro It's easier ta- to raise a family in the 21st century than the 19th century when it's 2015. Like, you'd have to go back in time and do mm-hmm. all the shit. It's a real pain in the ass. I don't <laughs> think that's what he means. That is, I, think, I believe that's what he's talking oh, about. Oh, okay. Were you going to say something else? Or is that a- <laughs> no, just play it. All right tax plan it increases the per child tax credit because i didn't read about this in a book i know for a fact how difficult it is to raise children how expensive it's become for working families and i make a lot more than the average american imagine how hard it is for these people out there that are making 40 50 60 thousand dollars a year and they're trying to provide for their families at a time when this economy is not growing we can't afford another four years of that which is what we're going to get if we elect a big government liberal like hillary clinton to the white house all right I mean, again, not spectacular, but it yeah. is what it is. He, he handles it. We have like six, seven clips left. That's okay. So, so not bad. I mean, I feel like this is a more reasonable amount. I think we're still getting what we need to get out of this thing, and I think it's good. Uh, I just said that a lot like Trump, where it's like, listen, boom, bang, boom. I, I wrote down my, my notes, and then I think it's great. It's wonderful. It'll be good. Uh, my Trump is like very spotty. It's, it's Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Uh, Carson talks about being against gay marriage. But pro-gay people, I guess. Also, Carson apparently has some issue with a company that I'll be honest, I know nothing about. I'm sure something will come out about it soon, though, after this, which I'm going to play that clip in a second. Trump and Rubio attack the mainstream media. This is like the, yeah, the thing they're doing, doing today. Trump says super PACs are bad. Rubio flips it and says Hillary's super PAC is the mainstream media. Oh, that was good. That was cites good. the Benghazi hearings. Uh, and then I wrote the top 1% controls 55 trillion. And then I just didn't finish writing that, <laughs> but the top 1% controls $55 trillion globally. I don't know what I was going to do there, but what it's, it's a lot of money. We'll, we'll just put it out there. Uh, 5549. This is the Carson clip, whatever. It's a little ahead of it. All right. About your involvement on some corporate boards, including Costco's. Last I, I'm year, playing this because this might be the, th- the he doesn't handle this well and this is going to be the problem for him because a lot of people only this see again they're going to complain about a media bias mm-hmm. meanwhile most of what you hear about Carson in the media is that renowned neurosurgeon Johns Hopkins very professional very intelligent guy there's not a lot about him that people are going back and being like he fucked up here 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 because I actually did a little research I was reading one of the uh, and I'm not blaming him but I'm just putting this out there it's not something you hear the first one where he tried to separate the twins with their brains connected, mm-hmm. they died. Oh. Now, fine. They understood the risk. I'm not saying he like forced them to go do this. And he said, you know, they preferred death than living the way they were living, which is interesting because 
that argument doesn't work with uh, when women get raped and they want to have an abortion, right? Yeah. Okay, but but whatever. Uh, I'm just saying. So there's not a lot out there about Carson's bad business dealings and different things that he might have fucked. He might have been sued, done, done different stuff. But it's going to come out, and this is how he handles it, and I don't think he handles it particularly well. But to say that there's a bias, sure, there's a bias in, in, all over the place. He gets pretty much good respect yes. from the media. Marketing study called the warehouse retailer the number one gay-friendly brand in America. Costco. Partly because of its board. domestic partner benefits. Why would you serve on a company whose policies seem to run counter to your views on homosexuality? Well, obviously you don't understand my views on homosexuality. Uh, I believe that our Constitution protects everybody, regardless of their sexual orientation or any other aspect. I also believe that marriage is between one man and one woman. And that there is no reason that you can't uh, be perfectly fair to the gay community. They shouldn't automatically assume that because you believe that marriage is between one man and one woman, that you are a homophobe. And this is one of the myths that the left perpetrates on our society. And this is how they frighten people and get people to shut up. You know, that's what the PC culture is all about. And it's the PC culture is not about like telling people who don't like gays and gay marriage to shut up. That's not what PC culture is. And we've talked about instances of PC culture on this where it's like, yeah, we did. We disagree with that. Uh, but it's kind of a weird way to go with this. I feel like it is. And also part of his views on gay people is that it's a choice because look how many people have gay sex in prison. And they're not gay in, in like real life. So obviously being gay is a choice. That's did, actually, he added in the, did he say that? That is a that is a thing, yes. That Why is don't you Google it? But I guarantee you that's – we can get a quote about that. Just – yeah. That's real. Continue Ben Carson while Joey does a little uh, research here. Evan, why don't you try to find it too? Because Joey's not going to be able to find it, I bet. Destroying this nation. What are you finding, you son of a bitch? Can you believe this? The Ben, ben Carson talking about how being gay is a choice because people in prison ha- choose to have gay sex. The fact of the matter is, we, the American people, are not each other's enemies. It's those people who are trying to divide us who are the enemies, and we need to make that very clear to everybody. One more question. This is a company called Manatech, a maker of nutritional supplements with which you had a 10-year relationship. They offered claims that they could cure autism, cancer, they paid $7 million to settle a deceptive marketing lawsuit in Texas, and yet your involvement continued. Why? Well, that's easy to answer. I didn't have an involvement with them. That is total propaganda. And this is what happens in our society, total propaganda. I did a couple of speeches for them. I did speeches for other people. They were paid speeches. All right, let him it finish is them. absolutely <laughs> absurd to say that I had any kind of a relationship with them. Do I take the product? Yes. I, I think it's a good product. Uh, to be fair, you were on the homepage of their website with the logo over your shoulder. If some- uh, wait, I, okay, so I have no involvement with them. You're on the website with the logo behind you. Somebody put me on their homepage. They did it without my permission. Yeah, of course. Yes. Like, Pleasant. come on. Yeah. See, but this is what I'm saying. Like, shit's going to come out. Like, you know that's not true. You know he has involved. I take it. I did some paid speaking gigs. I'm not involved with them, but I'm involved I with the them. I, you know, they paid me to, literally paid me to be involved with them, but I'm not involved with them. Does that not speak to your vetting process or judgment in any way? No, it speaks to the fact that I don't know that it's going on. Oh, boo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah, that's out of bounds. See, they know. They know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, he's like he's a like he's like a goofball. Play to the like crowd. Uh, yeah. Take a break. Be back. Meanwhile, uh, whatever. Good. You want the quote? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. 
Because a lot of people who go into prison mm -hmm. go into prison straight, and then when they come out, they're gay. So did something happen while they were in there? Ask yourself that question. There you go. And so okay, so was I lying or is that exactly no, that's I, pretty I, much I, what he I, said? I'm yeah. shocked. Don't be shocked. <laughs> that's the type of crazy shit that you're gonna get. Uh one, two, three, four, five, six. Oh, I lied. Okay, we have like six now, but that's fine. Rubio is asked about his tax plan. Let's uh, then I say, by the way, none of these people and probably nobody on the left is writing their own tax plan. Like, let's be realistic. You know, like they might be involved a little bit, but they have people that are coming up with a pretty normal, ta you know. I have an idea. You have an idea? Good. Can we take a Republican and a Democrat and an economist? Put them all together in the same room and try to have them come out with a tax plan. Oh, the problem is that the economist is going to be biased. Oh. That's always the thing. Like an economist, because you read about their tax plans today, economists look through it, scored it, yeah, like uh -huh. did all this stuff, and it says it's all impossible. You can't do any of it. But they'll go, well, they're biased. They're not including this. Not including so mm. there's no facts actually happening oh, there. Okay. It's like, you know, they say it's a real plan, so it is. And in, in the case of the Trump plan, where he says it's, a huge tax break for the middle class. See, that was a solid Trump. And you did the research on mm -hmm. that. It's not. It's not. It's not. It's no. It's basically the same as everybody. You know, like they can just say whatever they want about their plans. Now, I wanted to play this again because I think Rubio is getting some shine here, and he is, you know, potentially looking pretty good uh, as things go forward. So this is Rubio talking about his tax plan, and we'll uh, we'll see what he has to say about it. Anders and others, they've tried it their way, and it has mi failed miserably. Jeb, come on, We man. need to take a new approach Jeb. of taxing, reforming how Jeb. we tax, and reforming the regulations in, talk, our, in our country before it's too late. Jeb. Senator Rubio, 30 seconds to you. You know, uh, The honestly, Tax Foundation, which was alluded to earlier, scored your tax plan. What the it, hell? Do you see this, Joey? How's this happening? How, do, how are the notes showing up in... Unbelievable. I'm looking, I, I play all this stuff through VLC Media Player and it's showing my time code there. I did fuck up at one point last night. I guess I can write notes on the, uh, maybe the video. Can. That's interesting. Well, that's something to look forward to in the future. All right. Rubio concluded that you give nearly twice as much of a gain in after tax income to the top 1% as to people in the middle of the income scale. Since you're the champion of Americans living paycheck to paycheck, don't you have that backward? No, that's, you're wrong. In fact, the largest after-tax uh, gains is for the people at the lower end of the tax spectrum under my plan. And there's a bunch of things my tax plan does to help them. Number one, you have people in this country... Tax Foundation, just to be clear, they said the no, you gains after-tax income... You wrote a story on it and you had to go back and no, correct it. You did. I did not. Oh, you did. No. And so, because... The the, the, Senator, the Tax Foundation said after-tax income for the top 1% under your plan would go up 27.9%. Well, you're talking and about people in the yeah. middle of the income spectrum, about 15 percent. Yeah, but that, because the math is if you five percent of a million is a lot more than five percent of a thousand. So, yes, now, this is makes more money terms. numerically. It's going to be higher. But but the greatest gains percentage wise for people are going to be at the lower end of our plan. And here's why. Because in addition to a general personal exemption, we are increasing the per child tax credit for working families. We are lowering taxes on small business. You know, a lot of business activity in America is conducted like the guy that does my dry cleaning. He's an S-corporation. He pays on his personal rate, and he is paying higher than the big dry cleaning chain down the street because he's paying at his personal rate. In this fantasy world where there's a, a little mom-and-pop dry cleaner and then, like, what, a Kmart dry cleaner? I don't even know. Okay. 
Under my plan, no business, big or small, will pay that more than 25% flat rate right, on their okay. business income. That is a dramatic tax decrease for hardworking people who run their own businesses. John, I'd like to address The other Senator point that Thanks. I would make about our plan, one more point, it is the most pro-growth tax plan that I can imagine because it doesn't tax investments at all. You know why? The more you tax something, the less of it you get. I want to be the. I want America to be the best place John, in the I'd, world for people to question. Senator, thank you. Like question. To, question. Please, yeah. Someone living paycheck to paycheck, do they have money for investments? No, of course not. So I'm confused. Right. The investment is uh, pay the car loan <laughs> oh, so okay. I can go to work and keep making more money to pay the car loan. Oh, like, and if okay. anything goes even remotely wrong, I'm screwed. And then you got to go to Money Mutual with Montel Williams or whatever. Uh, by the way, oh, I already said that. Trump is stuck answering a ton of questions about illegal immigration. It's getting old probably for people that are li- even supporting him. It's got to be old listening to that. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, all right. Now. Trump clip. I think this is my last Trump clip. Oh, no, I I have his closing statement. He also, all right, Trump is asked about guns and whether he'd like his employees to bring guns to work. He says gun-free zones are, quote, a catastrophe. Also, who cares about this? The questions are not asked to, like, trick the candidates. They're asked because the average Republican primary voter wants to know how the candidates, quote, feel about shit. It's interesting. That's a big criticism of the left, that they're touchy-feely, tree-huggers, etc. A lot of the GOP debates focus on feeling bad for little babies who loves America more. Mm-hmm. You, you understand what I'm saying? It's, it's based on a lot of that emotional stuff. And then they complain when they don't get substantive questions, but nobody wants to do that. They don't want to answer those questions for the most part. They get lost in the weeds or they just say like, it's for you. whatever you get my point. Yeah. If it's not about the baby, we don't want to hear it. Exactly. You know what? I'm not even going to play that Trump clip. You get it. it. It's fine. They ask him about whether his employees should have guns and he's like, sure, I'm yeah. okay with that. All right. Jeb is asked about whether fantasy sports should be considered gambling or not. Brags about his fantasy football team. Christy jumps in like he always does. Please play the clip. Took about an hour and 29 minutes to get to a question about climate change. But let's play. All right. Let's play that clip. I'm only playing it for you. I hope you know that. Thank you. And fantasy football. Well, it's okay. Let me let me get to all right, whatever. We'll, we'll listen to like five extra seconds of him yammering. They can't regulate themselves. Then the NFL needs to look at this, you know, moving away from them a little bit, and there, there should be some regulation. I, I have no clue whether the federal government's the proper place. My instinct is to say, hell no, just about everything oh. about the federal government. But can, can oh, I, I need Carl, to interject Carl, are we really talking, so here's, Carl, are we really talking about getting we have government, a government involved in fantasy football? Yeah. We have, wait a second, we have $19 trillion in debt, we have people out of work, we have ISIS and Al-Qaeda attacking us, and we're talking about fantasy football? Can we stop? Can we stop? The answer is absolutely. We should tax fantasy football to the hilt so I don't have to see DraftKings commercials anymore, and we can fix this country. Off of gambling. We've done some work with DraftKings at this uh, studio, so I'd appreciate if you'd apologize to DraftKings and explain why they're a great service. I totally apologize, DraftKings. You're the best service on there. And I, uh, what is the famous saying? Uh, I rescind all my previous comments. Okay, so I was lying to you. We actually did work with FanDuel. Listen, Joe, you don't know oh, what the hell is FanDuel. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, Christy comes in. He, he, he does his... You know, that's the same shit that they're all trying to do tonight. Cruz did it. Yes. But Christie does it. Whatever. This is where he came alive. He waited like an hour and a half into this thing. Because it had to do with fantasy football. Well, I don't know what the hell his problem was. Uh, is that about it with that clip? Let's see what this thing is. How about this? How about we get the government to do what they're supposed to be doing? 
secure our borders, protect our people, and support American values and American families. Enough on fantasy football. Let people play. Who cares? Sharon, I want to go. I wish he had that attitude about smoking weed. Like, <laughs> let people smoke it. Who, Who cares? cares? No, he's going he's gonna to fucking get riled up about that. Uh, Christy talks about climate change. He gets snippy. He's very... Um, I want to put this in the right way. It's like for a guy who's this tough talking kind of like big mouth dude, he's a little, he's a little like effeminate sometimes in the way he says certain words. And I, I don't know how to even qualify that. That could examples. just be something that I'm saying. Well, let's see when he gets like snippy here. You'll see what I'm saying. Says he's for an all of the above energy plan, which is what Obama says is his plan basically. Also notice the drop in gas prices that has to do with increase, even though I'm not necessarily a big fan of fracking, that's because of you know tapping into natural gas mm-hmm. and things like this under Obama, right? Gas yes. prices are going okay. That's a direct correlation. No, I guess that has nothing to do with it. Now Christie pretends that that's not the case and then says he's going to do exactly what we're already doing. Back if another, I can to the issue. No, of, I want to go back if Governor I made Christie. it to sure. the- Governor Christie. You've said something that many in your party do not believe, which is that climate change is undeniable, that human activity contributes to it, and you said, "quote The question is, what do we do to deal with it?" So what do we do? Well, first off, what we don't do is do what Hillary Clinton and John Kerry and Barack Obama want us to do, which is their solution for everything. Put more taxes on it, give more money to Washington, D.C., and then they'll fix it. What? Well, that, okay, that doesn't even make, that doesn't make sense, but all right. There's no evidence that they can fix anything in Washington, D.C. What should we do? What we should do is to be investing in all types of energy, John. All types of energy. And I've laid out... Being a, government? No, John... John, do you want me to answer? You want to answer. See what I mean? Like that little snippy, like, John, do you want me to answer? But like, it's like, I don't know. It's just not, I don't know. It's, it's, he's not super masculine for a guy that's like, I, I don't know, whatever. I think you're nitpicking. Yeah, I probably am. Sure. And there's a lot to pick. <laughs> because I got to tell you the truth. Even in New Jersey, what you're doing is called rude. So... Uh, I'm from New Jersey, and I don't find anything wrong with it. (laughs) We've laid out a national energy plan that says that we should invest in all types of energy. I'll tell you, you could win a bet at a bar tonight, since we're talking about fantasy football, if you ask who the top three states in America are that produce solar energy. California and Arizona are easy, but number three is New Jersey. Why? Because we worked with the private sector to make solar energy affordable and available to businesses and individuals in our state. We need to make sure that we do everything we can across all kinds of energy, natural gas, oil, absolutely, but also where it's affordable, solar, wind in Iowa has become very affordable and it makes sense. That's the way we deal with with global warming, climate change, or any of those problems. Not through government invention, not through government taxes, and for God's sake, don't send Washington another dime until they stop wasting the money they're already sending there. Thank you, Governor. All right, he stumbled a little bit on the, on the end there, but that's fine. I mean, that's but that's simultaneously why he people like him and why he's gaining no support because he's talking about wind and solar and climate mm-hmm. change they they're the only one they they're the he's the only one that they can really ask about that yeah, because none of them i mean i guess they can ask Rand paul i'm not really entirely sure what Rand paul thinks about it but anyway uh trump says a bunch of buzzwords as far as what his economic policy is the shtick is wearing thin right there's no way even the base of the republican party is into this anymore meanwhile they just let him answer Nobody cares about specifics. So I'm going to play this because this could be like one of the last times we hear uh, old Trumpy talk about this stuff. I think he'll probably don't say that. Eh, We'll see. Uh, Mr. Trump says that he is capable of growing the economy so much 
that Social Security and Medicare don't have to be touched. Do you want to explain how that's going to happen, Mr. Trump? Magic. Yes, it's uh, very simple. We're going to make a really well, dynamic economy. From oh, we're just going to make a really dynamic economy. Great. So magic. Um, what we have right now, which is not at all dynamic, we're going to bring b- jobs back from Japan. We're going to bring jobs back from China. How? We're going to bring, frankly, no, jobs how? back. No, do not ask him how. Okay. He's on a roll. He's on you a don't roll. interrupt the guy when he's on a roll. You don't okay. say, what do you mean by dynamic? How, where, why are the jobs in Japan? No. From Mexico, where, as you probably saw, Nabisco is leaving Chicago with one of their biggest plants, and they're moving it to Mexico. We're going to bring jobs and manu- You know what? There's a Nabisco plant on one of the... I'm not going to say exactly where it is. When I drive from my where my parents live to my girlfriend's, where her parents live, when we're home, whatever beautiful nabisco plant there you smell the cookies being yeah, it made. it's in america do you think he actually has a plan and he's just worried if he tells anybody the plan that said plan would be stolen this guy doesn't have a plan Joey. okay <laughs> you know he doesn't have a plan he's just saying words but that's what i mean he's using buzzwords and it's worked so far but it's got to be wearing thin i mean it's just crazy manufacturing back we're going to cut costs we're going to save social security and we're going to save How? medicare governor you just heard him all yeah. right then they just move on <laughs> that's it they just move on from him i don't know Okay. Uh, Carson talks about his idea to replace Medicare. Now, this is not probably this. I don't know. This this is not a good move probably to talk about it just politically speaking. Mm-hmm. It's fine. I don't have a problem with having a conversation even about that. Throw out ideas. That That's totally okay. But this is going to be another thing where Carson's uh, – we'll see what happens. Replace Medicare with a system of individual family savings accounts so that families could cover their own expenses. Now, that – What's going to happen there? First of all, he talks about how people can opt out of that, which mm-hmm. a lot of people are just going to be like, wait, how much money did they just put there? Like 12 grand? Oh, I need that. Yeah, I need that. <laughs> so they're going to take it. And then what happens when they get sick? They're going to go to the emergency room. They don't have insurance. And then, you know, tax money is going to pay for it anyway, which is what Medicare is for. But okay. Uh, obviously, that too. would be a very controversial idea. Explain how that would work exactly. Well, first of all, the, the, the plan gives people the option of, of opting out, but I think they will see a very good option here. You know, the annual Medicare budget is over $600 billion, and there are 48 million people involved, 40 million, 65 and over, and 8 million other. Uh, divide that out that comes out to twelve thousand five hundred dollars for each one uh, which to I, me doesn't seem i mean possibly you could cut that down but like twelve thousand dollars a person is re uh, you know i think that's a reasonable amount of money to have you know i'm actually people, shocked you know? that you don't have it but one of the people on that stage that you failed to mention uh-huh. was huckabee yeah. who raised a great point about being preemptive and finding research for diabetes Alzheimer's, sure, and the other two things. Yeah, preventative, uh, ki- preventative, preventative care, care is absolutely an important thing. But, but and you did you didn't include it because it's going to come up at another point. It's fine. It's Huckabee, but right, absolutely. I mean, sure. Now I'll give him right. That is true. But that's been something that Obama's talked about. And a lot of people talk about that. Yes. It's not like a, a Huckabee idea. But yeah, of course, right. It's it's the difference between emergency room visits and checkups, like. Go for checkup so you don't have to just show up at the emergency room and be like, well, my, Something's spl- wrong. my spleen's broken. And they're like, do you have insurance? Well, not at the moment. I can tell you there are a lot of private sector things that you could do with $12,500, which will get you a lot more 
than you get from this government program. Don't and that's really a theme of a <laughs> yeah. lot of the things that I'm talking about. How do we utilize our intellect rather than allowing the government to use its, quote, intellect in order to help us to be able to live healthier and better lives? It was never intended that the government should be in every aspect of our lives. This is a country that is up for and by the people. All right. Thank you, sir. One more clip and then two closing statements and we're we're done. We're done. Chris, Chris, I'm going to give Christy the last word, apparently. I didn't wow. Even Christy says the Republicans are batting around great ideas in a civil manner. Unlike what you saw in the Democratic debate, it's not true. The Dem debate was almost entirely civil, filled with mostly issues, not how do you feel about. Rubio jumps in. He's such a candy ass, I wrote. All right. Uh, 139.25. I mean, and again, is that true? We watched the Democratic debate with everybody. We did all the clips. Is, is it really true that there was nothing... Of substance? No. Yeah, and that it was just... They, they were insulting each other and not civil? That's crazy. I'm pretty sure most of the people in attendance there did not even watch the other debate, so it's okay. I don't know. I hope they did. All right, here we go. They're going to give it back to you later, or would you rather take less later on? Governor, Senator do Rubio, you also yeah, think that, wanted... that Dr. Carson's right that we can replace Medicare with uh, individual savings accounts? No, no. What I said was that I think that Dr. Carson's ideas are good ideas. They're not my ideas, and I don't necessarily agree with all of them, but th- this is what you're seeing in the Republican debate that you didn't see in that Democrat debate. You didn't see it for a minute. You didn't see these kind of ideas being batted around and being batted around in a way that's civil and smart and that's trying to help to inform the voter out there. I mean, first of all, okay, I got to step in there and then we'll, we'll finish the clip. Lincoln Chafee, I think at one point I said respect, like the most respectful way I've ever seen anybody disagree with somebody. It was like, well, what the, pardon me, what the, and like stepped in very civil. They chastised Bernie for shaking hands with Hillary and defending her. That's civility, dum-dums. Like now all of a sudden that didn't happen. None of that was there. None of it happened. It's crazy. Oh, didn't Bernie Sanders, Megan McCain, just show up as a hipster folk hero and throw the debate to Hillary? But but wait, they also were fighting and being uncivil? I don't understand. They they can't be doing both of those things. They can be if two different people saw it that way. Yeah, of course. What's whatever's convenient at the time to say, that's what they're going to yes, say. Yes, it is, my friend. What you saw was, was a, a parade of, I'll give you this for free, I'll give you that for free. Let me tell you, everybody, when they say they want to give it to you for free, keep your hand on your wallet, because they're coming to you to pay for it. And that's why I think these ideas up here are great, and that's what we should have, to have more discussions like this and less gotcha. Senator you know what, John, I just want to give you, I want to give you 30 to, seconds to, here. To, sure. to take off from that point and argue the same thing, and that is that one of the things you're watching tonight are 11 quality candidates debating an important issue. The Republican Party's blessed to have 11 good candidates. That there are 10 good candidates, the Democrats can't even come up with one. And on this issue of Medicare in particular, it's important because they're going to demagogue what we're saying here tonight. Everyone up here tonight that's talking about reforms, I think, and I, I know for myself I speak for this. We're all- <laughs> what? For myself I speak for this? You, you get the point. He stumbled. It happens. <laughs> but like what he says is the important aspect, which is 100% true. Well, apparently he's a candidate. Let him say it. According to Let him to say it. Notes talking about reforms for future generations nothing has to change for current beneficiaries my mother's on medicare and social security i'm against anything that's bad for my mother damn right he so, is that's fine i don't think that's what i was referring to i think he says some more shit that makes me feel oh, like he's okay. a candy ass we're talking about we're talking about reforms for people like me and people like senator cruz as he talked about earlier who are years away from retirement that have a way to plan for these changes in a way that's very reasonable and it's not too much to ask of our generation after everything our parents and our grandparents did for us. John, I- that, you know, that's the candy ass thing, which is no. like, my dad, a bartender, look, he struggled. <laughs> Shut up. It's the same. 
Whatever. You know what he's doing. It's re- it's political rhetoric. All right. Two closing statements. We're out of here. I don't know why I picked Carly Fiorina's. Uh, I didn't write anything about it, but we'll just listen to it, and okay. I'm sure we'll figure it out. This could be – Fiorina's on the down slope here, I think. You think going down? Yeah. Freedom. Thank you, sir. Uh, that fuck. He ends his freedom. Shut up, Ted Cruz. And get on a treadmill, man. Fiorina. Too much tequila. You know, every election, we hear a Too lot many pot brownies, apparently. Yeah. Talk. We hear a lot of good plans. We hear actually a lot of good intentions. But somehow, for decades, nothing really has changed. What we need changed. now is a proven leader who has produced results. Which I am. That's how you go from secretary to CEO. You lead and you produce results. I will cut this government down to size and hold it accountable. Simplify the oh, tax code. That, roll yeah. back the regulations that have been spewing out of Washington D.C. for 50 years. I may not be your dream candidate just yet, but I can assure you I'm Hillary Clinton's worst nightmare. And in your heart of hearts, you cannot wait to see a debate between Hillary Clinton and Carly Fiorina. That was why I will tell you this. Yes. I will beat Hillary Clinton. And with your votes and your support. And I'll beat her like a South Carolina cop. Nice. Uh, they, they, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, the Zachary Hammond thing, I know it's like six hours later, but that's also in South Carolina. What the fuck's going on there? Hmm. The Walter Scott thing was in South Carolina, I believe. Um, she's not Hillary Clinton's worst nightmare. Let's no. get realistic. Hillary went through the goddamn 11 hour, uh, Benghazi, whatever email bullshit. Like she's, she didn't, you know, it, she didn't flinch. You want to know what I, what I would wish that like in life, Callie would just go up to Hillary and go, you want to do the debate now? Let's do it now. And they would actually just do it now. Oh, it'd be great. I mean, it would make Hillary look likable. She would that they should reach out because it would only help both of them, right? Which is Hillary has no reason to do it. No, it could only hurt Hillary. There's no, I mean, in a complete fantasy that we're talking about, yes, it would Hillary would have no reason to do that. It would help Fiorina because it puts her on the same level as somebody who she's not on the same level. Oh, uh, good point. Thank you, sir. Let's wrap this up and then we'll uh, we'll close with old Donald Trump. Sarah, farewell. Really, Sarah, farewell. To You're Trump. gonna end end it with Trump? I think he's done. Your prayers. I will lead with the citizens of this great nation, the resurgence of this great nation. Thank you. Oh, she took a, playbook, a page out of your playbook. She said nation and nation. You shock mm-hmm. and shock. So very good, Joey. Yes. You're an influencer. Uh, 145.45. Let me get there. This is Donald Trump's closing remark. And then we'll, uh, we're, we're going to wrap up the show. Our country doesn't win anymore. We used to win. We don't win anymore. We lose on trade. We lose with ISIS. We lose with one of the worst deals I've ever seen negotiated of any kind. That's our recent catastrophe with Iran. We don't win. Let me give you one quick example. These folks, CNBC, they had it down at three, three and a half hours. I just read today in The New York Times, $250,000 for a 30-second ad. I went out and said, it's ridiculous. Nobody, I could stand up here all night. Nobody wants to watch three and a half or three hours. It was a big sacrifice, and I have to hand it to Ben. We called Ben. He was with me 100%. We called in. We said, that's it. We're not doing it. They lost a lot of money. Everybody said it couldn't be done. Everybody said it was going to be three hours, three and a half, including them. And in about two minutes, I renegotiated it down to two hours so we can get the hell out of here. Not bad. Not bad. And I'll do that with the country. We will make, we will make. He's going to make the country less time? I don't know what his (laughs) point is. 
America great again. And thank you, everybody. Just for the record, just for the record, the debate was always going to be two hours. Senator Rubio. That's not right. That Senator is Rubio. absolutely not right. You know that that is not right. Senator Rubio. Thank you. All right. Well, so there you go. So that's a weird ending for Trump. I mean, he tried to, like, hit it hard, and it just didn't work out in his favor. Joey, final thoughts about this debate? I think... Uh, Did any of that change your mind? The stuff that you didn't see, you know? I think Rubio had a great showing. As You do really think so? Said, yes. And Bush imploded. Yeah, Bush, Bush, is, Bush is not looking great. Uh, Shelby, you got any, any little thoughts about that debate? I had never really paid attention to Rubio before this, but he really seems like he has it more together than a lot of them. And a lot more than I thought he did. Sure, yeah, and, and that and that I think is the point. I think he's standing out, not necessarily because he's so spectacular. I think he's standing out because the rest of the crowd is he's not doing so bad. Yeah, and it's and also now he got a little injection of cat, not a little injection. He's probably got a lot of money coming his way, so he's got a little more confidence going on, and you know. But yeah, that's a that's a that's a fair point. I w- I really wish. The next debate, you could vote somebody off. Or if they don't get enough votes, they can't well, you do are the kinda, next debate. You are kind of voting them off, right? Where's Santorum? No, no. He's gone. Huckabee's going to be gone. Like, these guys are going to miss a threshold. How many, more, how many more debates do we have to get to until we start seeing them drop like flies? I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Again, once a vote gets cast, then it's okay. like, ah, forget it. I'm out. Is Bush even going to make it to Iowa? These are all questions. I don't believe that, so. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, I, that certainly didn't help him. No. I think if he... Yeah, I guess he's just not that great a candidate. But Rubio, yeah, is certainly going to be uh, you know, a force to be uh, reckoned with. Possibly, sure. Uh, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the program. Uh, we had a song prepared, but uh, in the fullness of time, I'll explain why we're not going to be playing songs anymore, but we are not going to be playing songs anymore. And I'm actually probably going to go back into the back catalog and, and cut those songs out. Um, I'll, I'll tell you more when, when you guys need to know what's going on. But that's that's it. So I'm just letting you know, we're not going to play a song. We are not going to play Adele's Hello, which, my God, I can't just stop listening to. Uh, I love it. Play what? Adele's song, Hello. Oh, okay. It's, uh, it's a wonderful piece of musicianship. I haven't heard it yet. Are you mental? All right. Well, I'll play it for you after this. Oh, thank you. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening. <laughs> you're, you're like, no, not mental because I didn't hear Adele's song. Uh, SoundCloud.com slash Mandatory Samson. You can go on there, subscribe, leave a comment on the uh, the track. I always uh, respond to those. It's great. YouTube.com slash Mandatory Samson. All the full episode videos go up. I put them up. Uh, I sync them with the audio that you're used to listening to on SoundCloud. So it sounds the same, but you just get the vis- visual element. Like when we, you know, watch all the debate clips, you can see it. And you can see the, the videos that we play. Um, shit, I wanted to say something else about that. Oh, yeah. There's also a playlist called Live Stream Link. You can watch the live stream every Thursday at 4 p.m. Do it all. YouTube.com slash Mandatory Samson. Email us, Mandatory Samson at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone who sent emails. I appreciate it. I respond to all those. And uh, it's really nice to get get uh, some f- feedback, uh, positive or negative, but most of it's positive, And I really appreciate it. Twitter, I'm at Mansamp. Joey. I'm Joey from Josie with the Z. You can also get in touch with those, uh, those same handles on Snapchat. And I think that's the whole story. Joey, you got any last words here? Very nicely done, Chris. Thank you. I really appreciate your work today. Shelby, thank you very much. Evan, thank you for uh, doing research over there. And uh, we love you guys. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>